are back out here Hello. with the Rock and Roll Review, um, episode five. Welcome. And I am finally, finally, officially back in the Bay Area. Stuart packed up his car and a U-Haul trailer yesterday in Santa Barbara, drove up, unpacked in the Bay Area, drove fell up asleep. to Saint, <laughs> fell asleep. It was too much. Drove to St. Helena today. And here I am. Yes. Oscar was so happy to see me, the, the cat He was here. so happy to see you. Yeah, he uh, is, he's quite frankly, like, way too obsessed with me, I think. He was as jubilant as a cat could be. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's he was was <laughs> on, he was on my lap just <laughs> shedding and purring and... He's a lover. Being yeah. way too aggressive, yeah. like, about half an inch from my face. <laughs> Anyway, no, it's good to have you back. Now that on cue with Emily, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that cough. Emily and I have been dying this last week, yeah. and Tom too. Tommy it's that too. special time of year where everyone's getting sick, but also the smoke was just sitting in our area, making it worse. Yeah, it was the smoke the was smoke is gone. I think it was almost worse than the cold I got because. The cold, it kind of spurned everything, but then the smoke just wouldn't let me heal, and it just kept attacking me. And I don't think your house is like super insulated, so I think there was Our definitely a little old. bit of smoke getting through. Yeah. Yeah, this house <coughs> slash apartment building, I think it was just an old. It's like a, a A roof. I think it was built in the 1920s. Would be my guess. Wraparound porch. Yeah, but I, I do love it out here in St. Helena because it's just a perfect like small town vibe. Very um, small town. But it also is just beautiful wine country. Well, I always usually used to such crisp, pure air, and like and it's back because it's of back. the rain. Yeah. Well, I always tell people about Saint Helena. That's so fun. Is it's it's a small town. I think there's six thousand of us in Saint Helena, and you have that small town feel. But since it's a tourist town, and since wine country is a tourist area that attracts people from all over the world, it you know you have people from all over the world in your little town on any given you know, basis. So yeah, I really, I really love it out here. It's cool. Um, it's got, it's got a cool mix of that. Yeah. Cause I realized like you know. when I, when I was living in Santa Barbara, one of the things I loved the most about it is how little hustle bustle it was. And it was kind of like had that beach vibe a little bit. So Everyone's people were a just a little more chill. Slower. Yeah. For us, it's because of the wine. Everybody's just a little, a little drunker. more laid back. They've been wine tasting. Not the locals. I living here. I never get to go wine tasting. Is it kind of a? Is it kind of? <laughs> so it's kind of a wet town then, huh? Like, is that an expression? Yeah, for yeah. like when people drink a lot in it. I don't know. Everybody's in the industry. I don't know. What's funny is all the psalms that I know, uh, they don't really drink wine. They study it, and oh, they yeah, yeah. then they don't drink it. They like they drink. Uh, they're like, yeah, I'll come home after a day of studying wine, and I'll have a beer. It's kind of like I get it. Yeah, no, it's like when I used it. to teach music all yeah. day for like five, six days a week. It's like the last thing I wanted to do was play guitar when I got home, which is partially why I decided to sell my soul and go the office route. But I'm that's we we've talked about this before. When I used to teach art, I'd come home and I didn't want to paint. So say, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you're doing what you love for a living. It's why I, when I got, when I moved here, I was like, oh, I've been working in wine bars and restaurants. Maybe I'll get my psalm and like, and like study wine. And then I, I kind of saw how obsessive it was. And it's kind of taken this thing that I just love in a very casual way uh, and just dissecting it to the point where I didn't really like that route. Well, 100%, like that's why I didn't study guitar in college. 
because like I didn't classical guitar player. Yeah, something. I didn't want just it to it lose yourself. its mystique in a yeah. way. Like I didn't want to learn too much about it. Yeah, and that's where I was with wine. And I didn't want to sound yeah. like or get sick of it. Jazzy. I didn't want to sound super classical. I kind of always wanted to have that rawness, that like rock and roll like rawness to it. Yeah. And maybe it's mistaken. I said I don't know, but no, and it's sort of natural approach to playing the guitar <laughs> that's maybe more from the heart as opposed to technical. I want it to be like, like a good combination of from the brain and from the heart. And yeah, like and I I know soul. what I'm doing, but I'm also I know the rules. I also know how to kind of break them and make them my own. Yeah, that is a tough mm-hmm. balance to find. Well, speaking of a guy who hey <laughs> plays a little bit of jazz and a little bit of blues and. From the heart, for sure. He's one of the most heartfelt um, artists that I've listened to. And for my dollar, one of the most creative lyricists out there today, Oh, I too. love, yeah. I love some weird storytelling. Yeah. Folksy, sitting around a campfire, tall tale lyrics. And he, yeah, he encompasses all of that. So here's our guy. Uh, this week, his name, uh, we're going for a guy named uh, C.W. Stone King. Christopher William Christopher. Stone King. I looked it up. William. I had to. That Born makes in. me think of Winnie the Pooh. Born in 1974. Robin. So he's almost as old as Tom. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Emily he's comes down. He's like, he's only 10 years younger than Tom. I'm like, Emily, <laughs> how old is Tom? <laughs> God. But so. yeah, he's, uh, and it, he's really interesting because his dad was um, a expat who, American. Uh, who moved to Australia right. out in the de- desert. And I'm actually going to Google where Catherine is because I know Australia is a big-ass place with a lot of desert, a lot of uninhabitable desert. But Born uh, in he the 70s. says he was like in the desert. And so. his dad his dad was American. I'm not sure. he. I couldn't find where in America his dad's from, but he was a teacher, and he decided that teaching could move him to Australia, sort of like how we have friends that get a teaching credential and then go teach English in Spain oh. or something. That's not that he's going to teach English in Australia, but I think wow, that was his ticket in is, hey, you need teachers. Here I am. It's right next to Cockadoo National Park. Oh, I know Cockadoo. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that part it's of Australia? It's just south of the town of Nitmaluk and wow. right up north of Tyndall and Binjari. It's literally like sure. none of these <laughs> cities I recognize at all. There's Darwin. Maybe it's like eight hours away from Darwin. But you know, I, I always think of like Perth and I think of, you know, Sydney, obviously. Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. But yeah, this is way up north. If you picture like Australia in thirds, this is in like the middle third, the northern territory, like way up top. Oh, wow. So he is nowhere close to Brisbane, Newcastle, Sydney, Perth, nowhere close at all. Interesting. And that's yeah. that's interesting. And he yeah. said he, he grew up like on a lot. He said his dad was like Land. a music nut who like had tons of records that he like was well, able to grow up. And his dad's American. American. So yeah, he's so. listening to, um, you know, blues. Yeah. Um, like American blues. <laughs> I'm sure he was listening <laughs> to know. other American music, too. Yeah, um, I'm he, sure there was some folk in there, some Hank Williams. Yeah, something. and probably just some rock and roll, too, because he said when he first heard the blues, it sounds so different from what he was hearing otherwise, which makes me think that he was probably listening to a lot of like rock and roll. I bet you it was like probably, you know, what a lot of dads would be listening to well, in yeah, the early so 70s. Well, yeah, so if he was born in 74, his parents are between 20 mm-hmm. and 30. His parents were grown up in the 60s. 
Yeah. If, so when I, I say sorry, teen, like teen early twenties. I have to 60s. imagine. I mean, here we are. Oh, just of course he's completely speculating on what his upbringing <laughs> was. Like, his, maybe his dad hated the Beatles. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, and we've already talked about that. The wasn't Beatles in the interview too much. Yeah, we didn't see what, but where his interview, like we watched, we ju- we actually just watched like a like a shit ton of interviews with him, and he's so funny. His demeanor is yeah. so funny, like. He's a he's an Australian, so he has that accent, but he also is just really like mild mannered and soft spoken, and um, kind of what's the word like sardonic? Like he makes like jokes, but they're very like low key, and you can't tell if he's serious or not. Yeah, like, and um, he was talking about his musical upbringing and how he he thought the blues sounded funny. He thought they sounded funny, and he was like, well, they don't really obey the rules of like any music I'd heard before. Oh, I have a quote right here. Oh, here um, we go. So when he was 11 years old, he stumbled across quote unquote, uh, living with the blues, an early blues compilation from his father's collection. And CW says, when I first heard it, I thought it was kind of funny music because it was so deconstructed and not really adhering to any rules that I'd been told music should fit into. And the more I listened to it, I just liked it more and more. Um, so that led him to Sunhouse, Robert Johnson, Skip James. Buckle I can White, hear the Sunhouse in him. Gus, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Johnson, all, all those guys. Um, and especially it comes through in the, uh, quality of his, not the quality. That's, that sounds like a dig, but the, uh, style of his recordings what would yeah. you call that um, method of his the recordings? method would method, be the best way yeah. yeah the production value whatever you want to say like he he went stripped so he has three albums well he has more albums but he has three real releases that right he considered there's king hokum which is 2005 he was uh about 31 my age when this came out wow. and that one's like original blues numbers that he wrote and their solo acoustic or with a banjo or with um what's that he has like a national dualian um and from nineteen thirty one which is basically like a resonator type guitar. So he was like just doing basic blues songs in, in that in that vein for his first album, King Hokum. And Hokum he said is a style of blues that I have never really heard of. Yeah, we should Google that because he was talking about King Hokum, Hokum yeah, Blues. And that's kinda and he I what um, I really love Hokum about him is a particular song type of American blues go. music. So much quicker oh, a song type. A humorous song which uses extended analogies or euphemistic terms to make sexual innuendos. Oh, yeah. Whoa, Dude, this turn. He was like, put your banana, I want to put my banana in your fruit basket and stuff <laughs> and like that. And then the interviewer, like, we watched this Dutch interview. It's obviously <laughs> in English, but the yeah. guy's Dutch. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, so naughty lyrics. And CW is like, oh, I wasn't naughty back then. He's like, I don't know what's naughty about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this trope goes back to early blues recordings and is used from time to time in modern American blues and blues rock. Interesting. Oh, like sugar in my bowl. Yes. Who does that? Is it Big Mama Thornton? I want some sugar in my bowl. Or maybe Bessie Smith. I think they both do it. Uh, but the more you say it, the dur- worse it sounds. Dur- Could yeah. you stop saying oh, that? Oh, listen to the rest of the lyrics. I won't even... You guys can <laughs> listen on your own. Sugar in my bowl is just thirsty. Anyway. So thirsty. That's the best way I can oh say it. Oh, my God. Um. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Should we... I don't know. I wanted to I want to say something because um, we're got, we uh, talked about his first album King Hokum, and then in the second one it's Jungle Blues, 
which mm. is way more extravagant than the first one. He has his primitive horn band. Uh, sorry, the primitive horn orchestra is the band that he plays with. And uh, I think it's like four dudes. And yeah. uh, he says what makes it primitive is, is there's not many of them. <laughs> <It's> basically, <laughs> There's what he not says. many of us. What makes yeah. it primitive? There's, there's so few members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like where, that. yeah, he started to get really, really interesting with his influences because he started playing like Calypso um, style music too, rather than just a straight blues. So he started like combining like straight blues, uh, Chicago style blues, that kind of thing with uh, cal- with like calypso music, which is like island music. Um, basically, I'm trying to see which island. I'm totally blanking on which island it is. One sec. I think it's like Bahamas or something. Um, in Trinidad. Okay, so Afro Caribbean music is what it is, and it like kind of has like this. Um, this uh, formula that it goes by, where it kind of has this beat that's like dun da dun 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 da dun dun dun, and Very then it shuffling. has like yeah. yeah, and then it has like a, and then it has like a horn um, like refrain. So he so I think uh, what we should play first is his song um, uh, the love me or die. Yeah, and let's fire off because with that. that one is straight calypso where it has the horn refrain <laughs> almost as a chorus, which is so cool. Yeah, and if you listen to calypso music, they always have names like King blah 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 and this and that. And there's like this this calypso festival every year where they like try to find like this like calypso king every year. It's pretty intense. Wow. Like calypso is a, a real thing that I was never introduced to until awesome. I found CW. So um. This one uh, that we're going to play first is called The Love Me or Die. And it, it's like a um, what he always calls it is like a murder ballad. I which, was going to say yeah. it's, a, it's a murder song. It's a murder ballad. And it, it, it does. It combines like all the things that make CW CW. Like it combines like Calypso with his blues voice. It combines like these weird like jungle like imagery in his yeah. in his lyrics. And it also... Just how ha- and the lyrics are genius. Like they're so good. Yeah. This song, basically, if you listen really closely, it's always hard. Like I took it for granted when I first heard him, because it's kind of hard to understand him sometimes. Like he's so he kind of has a really awkward way of singing and talking. Well, he does the almost the carnival barker talky announcing thing, like no 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 yeah like, that Tom Waits kind of does yeah, too. He, yeah, but then. You know, and we'll play one later, but then he'll do like a ballad and he'll he'll hold out a note. And I'm like, oh, damn, he's a great singer. He's, so, he's got an incredible voice. And so, yeah, you can't judge him. So this the song is basically about um, this this guy who like studied black magic and he is in love with this girl. So he's trying to make like a, a, a hoodoo die. charm that'll like, yeah, called the love me or die. And this this charm. Oh, it's like love potion number nine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like the that. same <laughs> storyline except no. he doesn't like bang <laughs> a cop's leg or whatever he does in love potion oh, number it's nine so weird. Yeah. yeah anyway this one uh it's a murder ballad by cw stone king uh in the calypso style off of jungle blues his second record and it's called the love me or die I can't deny it. Was a hoodoo charm called it loved me or died. 
A fingernail, a piece of her dress A pocket there, a devil I will relate the piteous consequence of my mistake All enslaved to passing desire Making these dreaded love me or die Against a jungle primeval green She had the looks of a beauty queen No bangles or chain wearing broken shoes Seventy-five cent bottle perfume I said good morning I tipped my hat all while I was cunning like a rat Smiling gaily looked her in the eye I felt in my pocket he loved me or died One to behold I started magic from days of old Membership, secret society Power and wealth in my family But Matilda, darling Why you don't take my wedding ring Like a demon under the floor Bury the hoodoo down the back door Town, that a fever strike Matilda down. 9.30, the doctors arrive. Priest come running, quarter to five. Standing in the weeds early next day. I saw the meat wagon rolling away. I see Matilda laying in the back. Her old mother wearing a suit of black. Trumpet and bang the drum I wait for me judgment to come I know her spirit is down beneath I hear the weeping and gnashing of the teeth Flames of hell leaks at my feet In the shadow of the jungle I feel the heat Matilda's waiting in hell for me too Oh, cause she died from a bad hoodoo So yeah, C.W. Stone King, and if you have the opportunity to like Google those lyrics while you're listening to it, that's what I like. That's what I finally did because I honestly can never understand what the hell he's saying. Like <laughs> unless I'm reading it, like sometimes I can, but like a hundred percent, I've never like listened to it one time through. I'm like, oh, a hundred percent got every word of that. Like, and you'll it it every single word is perfect in place and and tells a story. Yeah, it's. Ooh, I was actually Are you reading, reading it. Now? it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Lord, 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 L A W D, 
Word broke through the town that a fever strike Matilda down. 9.30, doctor arrived. Priest come running, quarter to five. Stand in the weeds early next day. I saw the meat wagon rolling away. I seen Matilda laying in the back, her old mother wearing a suit of black. So, to it's just, it's yeah. It's bad news in the end of that song. She didn't. It's almost, what's kind of weird about Matilda it is. Matilda didn't make it. He, he talks in the beginning about, like, uh, studying voodoo and shit. And, uh, that and jungle then he, shit, dude. And then he, and then he kind of puts this, tries to put a spell on her, and then it doesn't go. It doesn't work. It doesn't go well, so he buries the hoodoo down the back door, as he says, and then she dies. It's it's weird. It's almost like well, he's surprised I that think, she died. I think that's the thing about voodoo charms and, and these things is they're kind of double-edged swords, so I think. And I'm not like yeah. an expert on fucking voodoo or anything like that, but I know that like you that's why it's called the love me or die. Like It either works yeah. and you love me or it doesn't work and you die. Like, yeah, it, there's no in between in these kinds of things, which is why, like, it's so interesting that he chooses to talk about it. Because, like, how how many artists do you have who talk about, like, this kind of voodoo stuff, which, you know, again, is like West African, like, and it also goes to, like, uh, French and, like, the whole New Orleans, Creole. like, Louisiana, yeah. Creole culture. Like, totally. there's a lot of a lot of that um in his music and we especially went to the in Calypso Voodoo Museum in New Orleans. Ooh, tell me about the It's kind of small museum. and creepy and it's definitely haunted. Every building I walk into down there feels haunted. But what was what was like what did they show in the Voodoo Museum? Just like it's a bunch of dolls or so like So just picture walk walking into like a you know like a really crowded um consignment or like thrift store where there's just stuff everywhere. Yes. It's like that, except it's dark and it's a bunch of voodoo stuff everywhere. That'd be intense. It's cool. It's yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. Imagine it's cool. all the weird shit that the like owner of that place has done. Like just <laughs> like actually, you know that 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 they like for sure believe in voodoo. So they like probably have been like, Man, fuck this guy, and like There's snip <laughs> snip, like took some of his hair when he wasn't looking or whatever. Makes a little voodoo doll, like poking it. Yeah. yeah, there's people who do that. All the like, it's crazy thing. The, the beliefs people have. Out. Yeah, people have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I would hate to have someone make a, a voodoo doll of me. That'd be Aww. terrifying if I found that out. I'd be like, Aww, oh, that's why my sad. stomach hurts all the time. <laughs> you know, probably Someone's not though. Poking yeah, a little sure doll. Not, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah, the horns in that song are great. They're real yeah. uh, drunk. They're kind of yeah. They have great expression. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, Jungle Blues was and as you can hear like he he never goes super uh, modern with his recording style. He always tries to throw it back a little bit. I think he said something like um in his new album Gone Boogaloo, he only recorded it with like one microphone. So they all he had play the whole band room. play yeah. and then he has like one microphone in front of the band. He's not singing yet. He does like overdub I think for the vocals, but and then they they all play it. And then they just do, you know, shit tons of takes until they find that one that they like. And, and that's wow. how they recorded Gone, Gone Boogaloo, which is his most recent album. So everybody has to give their 100% every <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you hit one wrong note. It's like, like oh, All my right, bad, bro. Start my over. God, that's yeah. stressful. Yeah, it is stressful. Huh. That's how Tommy wants to record our album. And I'm like maybe Ooh. because i feel like it would take forever i mean if we get tight enough and we're playing as much as we are planning to yeah. maybe 
but it's definitely yeah. I like it with regard to like the drums and bass because they oh, have yeah, a they should feed they have off such each an other. intricate relationship. Right. Not just Tommy and Alante, but you know, like well, no, they're as a close. as a dr- <laughs> <laughs> as a drummer and bass, like that those two go hand in hand all the time. The the bass drum and just the a couple of yeah, best friends hanging out. Yeah, that's trademarked. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when um, I first heard I I thought I didn't think you made that up. I thought that was from like a like a comedy show or something. No. And then you were like, I wrote that and I was like, No, you didn't. That's from that's <laughs> <laughs> from something else. No, the best friends hanging out jingle is Best Friends yeah. Hanging Out. Best friends hanging out. Just a couple of It just goes forever. Yeah, it goes forever if you have enough friends. That's gonna be stuck in your head now every time you read that. Yeah. I hope. Um I wanted one. to sell it to like a Budweiser commercial or something where it's like <laughs> a like a super corny one That's where what I thought it was it's like a bunch already. of like different groups saying it and it's like, you know, how you know in commercials where they have like sh- super shitty singers, like uh, oh, almost yeah. like a musical. Like, like a, <laughs> and then it's just, singers are usually good. And whenever they <laughs> say best friends, they're gonna be cheersing beers. Best, best friends. And I'm like, come on, yeah. Budweiser, where you at? But Hit him up. My uh, jingle career is yet to. <laughs> I think it will <laughs> launch. We'll but see. We'll see. It can't be that hard. Yeah. Anyway, um, now he completely. <laughs> 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 All I'm thinking about are jingles and. Sorry, he recorded with one microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> one microphone. So he recorded "Gone Boogaloo" with just one microphone, and um, I think he had the primitive horn orchestra. He had um four primitive because uh, it was four people. Yeah. Four uh, horn players. I think he had the four ladies singing backup vocals. Um, and then he had a band that he said got together like a month before they recorded. They recorded for two days and wow. got in and out. And, and that this was is it. all in Australia, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think they recorded on like a super old, like probably freaking like four track, like tape, you know, <laughs> so it, he, it's and you like. The quality yeah. is definitely not the most modern sounding technology you'll hear. It sounds like the early 1900s. Oh, it sounds good. It's got that warmth, that kind of... Uh, 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 it has the authenticity. Yeah. Like, it just is a genuine authenticity. Where you can kind of hear all the, all the flaws and the... Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and this uh, this next song we're gonna play is "Off Gone Boogaloo," and you can really like get an idea for it um, for the vibe of the whole album. And Gone Boogaloo is the newer one, right? Yeah, it's the newest one. I think it's two thousand fourteen. Sixteen. So the so I the last. Are you sure it's not fourteen? I thought it was. 16. I have it. I have it here. It's two thousand fourteen. Oh, yeah, you're right. He takes a long time between albums, is what yeah. I've noticed. So Jungle Blues, what we played the last song off of, two thousand eight. Yeah. <laughs> and King Hokum was 2005. So that was like a little bit, a little shorter, but that was six years between um, those two, between his most recent one and Jungle Blues. And now it's like a whole um, four years, basically, between Gone Boogaloo and whatever he's going to come out with now. But um, this uh, the song I want to play is the opening song off it called How Long. And he like does this like super high like electric guitar. And you could tell like, He's like just getting to know the electric guitar because he um he's he played banjo, he played, you know, that national duolian. 
which is basically like a Dobro or a Resonator from uh, 1931. Like that's one of the. It like, looked like a lap steel to me, but that's a yeah. totally different. But it, physically, it's like made out of steel or whatever. Yeah, it's a National Dwalian um, from literally from 1931. That's the year that his guitar <coughs> was made. Um, so you could tell when he started playing. He doesn't really play electric guitar until. He didn't play it in the in Jungle Blues. Like, and yeah. one of the interviews <laughs> I read today, this guy's like, oh, were people, you know, upset or like made a big deal when you played electric guitar they on the album? They rushed the stage and beat like his when, ass. Yeah. Like when Bob Dylan went electric yeah. and he was like, no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no one cared. Yeah. It's just yeah. funny. Not in like a. You Have you seen I mean? those video, like those interviews after Bob Dylan goes electric, and they oh, like oh with go all the like, Brits that are like, oh, it was so disappointing. Like it was they so look bad. like someone like beat their mom in front of they them look or something. So they look upset. so well because they came to see they came <laughs> yeah. to see like folk Bob Dylan, and then he played you know fucking I don't know like a Rolling Stone or whatever. I think it was might have been too early for that. And uh, and yeah, the, everyone was just like, I hate it. I think it's so funny yeah. how aggressive they got. Yeah. Like, I hate. It's like it's not that different. It's just plugged in. Yeah. It's just yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, and it's just so funny to see the outrage and like the just the genuine the genuine outrage they have. It's like the same thing as like political debates nowadays, where people are like clearly on the wrong side of history, you know, Definitely but they're watch. like stuck in their ways. It's like. It's the same, but only with music instead of politics or whatever. There's, um, I want to get the name of this documentary. Don't Look Back is a documentary um, where they film a lot of uh, all that footage is from, of all the Brits leaving and being like, I just hated it. They just, <laughs> just hate <laughs> it. And it's so funny. And then they have a lot of backstage of him, too. Um, I was trying to find the first song that he played uh, live at Newport. Bob Dylan took the stage at Newport Folk F Festival and played electric the first time. I was trying to find the first freaking song that he played. Oh, Maggie's Farm. Interesting. Okay. okay. I wouldn't have guessed that one. I ain't gonna work on Maggie's great. Farm no more. Yeah. And then he did like a Rolling Stone. Okay, I wasn't too far Oh, off. Emily, look How at you. Yes, um, and then it's all over now. Maybe blue. It's it's so it's so funny that people hated it so much. Anyway, it's hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. So when CW Stone King went electric, it was much <laughs> less, less controversial. <laughs> yeah, it was much less it controversial. Um, but you could tell, like, it's so funny. Like the very first thing he does with an electric guitar is play like those stupid high notes and how long and I mean by like not that they're stupid notes they're like they're just super like super high so it's like like it's, it sounds like he picked up the guitar for the first time it's like oh these frets exist that's weird <laughs> let's go way and up on goes, that neck. and he goes for it but I love uh again the lyrics in this song are great if you google them and check them out you'll be like um at least if you're a songwriter you'll be like well I would ne for sure never write that <laughs> like anything it's just about um not having satisfaction in this life, I think, and uh, yeah. and just thinking how long will you wait till you finally have that satisfaction? It could be like kind of like a religious hearkening, like he's got I'm, a lot of gospel, know, yeah, like a gospel in, uh, in his sound. And he he says at one point, I can't remember. I was reading a lot of stuff today. He said at one point some of his songs are some of the older blues guys talk about how the world isn't really a nice place to be, and so. Some well, of his songs hark back for to some that. Of those old, you know, blues like oh, definitely wasn't a nice place to be. No, twenties. It was for sure like a 
shitty ass where place. Where the blues came from. People were being dicks to him all the time, and just a nightmare. More than that, you know. Um. Anyway, let's uh just cut to it. This one um is off Gone Boogaloo, which is a badass record, and the I think the album cover is like the most striking thing about it to me is where I was like, who's this? Who's this dude? Like. It's um, He's got face and I was actually on. him. I was him for Halloween this last year. I wore this uh, outfit that he has on the on it's the like cover. an all white suit, yeah. and like half his face is. They said it was painted to look like a skull face. So it's it like is. A you can tell paper white. It uh, looks like a mask, but yeah, you can like tell mask, it's painted. It's painted but it's him smoking a corn cob pipe, like with you know a black and white uh, photo, and he has his face painted like a skull. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's like sitting in the like one of those classic guitar poses that those old blues guys used to do. Yeah, and it's with an electric guitar. Um, and Ooh. one more thing I wanted to say about about C.W. Stone King, I was I was gonna touch on it in the last uh, section before we played uh, that last track, but I, I love how he has like all these pseudonyms and almost like characters like throughout his album. Like he's King Hokum. <laughs> And then, you know, he's uh, the jungle, he's like the jungle man, this like blues record player guy who like has all yeah. these, and he's like, people are hating on me, but I'm the man. Like, he has it's like the, that it's, old, like a, it's, it's really strange. It's being a, it's part of being a performer when you create um, sort of another identity to perform with, but yeah. it's like Jim Morrison, Mr. Mojo Rising, yeah, the Lizard King. Yeah, it's a very similar All that stuff. It's like, let vibe. me morph into this stage presence or, or whatever you want to call it. But he talks about being the, like, the jungle man um, on, on this song, or not this song, sorry, this album yeah. quite a bit. Like, he even has a song called The Jungle Man and um, Gone Boogaloo, um, the jungle swing like these uh these songs all have that kind of vibe and i i like to think of like this guy on the cover that he has with like the corncob pipe and the the mask i like to think of like oh that is the jungle man like that yeah, is yeah, yeah. who he's trying to portray in he's this created, album yeah he's so he d that. yeah he is so good at nuancing himself to like with all these tiny little details that just build his in my opinion like what his like intrigue is and his mystique and everything like that like all these details are so finely tuned for him yeah and like when i when i've seen him play he's always playing in like tiki bars and shit so it's like a jungle <laughs> setting when you go and watch him play <laughs> so it's like just little it's, things it's like very that. much like uh like the white stripes whole totally. vibe totally. it's like we're um like, I remember when we saw them, we can't get too into the White Stripes. No, Obviously, I, we already have. Fuck it. But I remember when we saw them live in, like, 2005 or something, um, and they played the Greek Theater. And I feel like it was 2008. Whole, no, it was way before that. Really? that was when I was a senior, I think. That's when this album came out. But, but so, um, so the whole stage is everything's in red and white. Um, and then all his stage hands were dressed exactly like they looked just like Jack yeah, White. Right, Do you remember right. that? So all the stagehands were wearing like all red with red top hats and they were walking around setting and they had black hair. Well they dressed like different like they dressed like different versions of him throughout like his white stripes history. Like if you look at like the dead was, leaves on the dirty ground video, yeah. there were guys dressed like that. There were guys dressed like um, early, the early. Legos and fell in love with a girl where they're like, you know, the Yeah, classic, like white pants, yeah, red tight shirt. 
black hair that's kind of like combed in the middle and then a, they were all wearing hats and it what happened the effect was that you you know we were right front and center at the greek theater and it's like you get there you wait they're setting up the stage and you keep thinking jack white's walking on stage you're like oh sh oh no that's not him well oh, it's like oh, that's it, not him. it amplifies the whole theme of the album the whole theme which is the, is the, the point the deception yeah. is the theme yeah. like so all of this stuff amplifies ah. that theme so it's like whenever you see a stagehand you think it's jack but he's deceiving you and and it's like those kinds of nuances that like i personally would never think about doing um, it's, it's very yeah it's very it's, it's like the pageantry of it and yeah. like it's very theatrical oh, yeah. and now he's totally as is solo you know thing he's very everything's very blue if you notice, yeah. like I follow him on Instagram, <laughs> Third Man Records, and everything's all blue now. He's always We're wearing trying blue. trying to get that follow back. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but and so it's, it's, it's about, yeah, it's about creating this whole kind of world of your band and your music. And, and here's what we, it's very visual. I love, I love the yeah. visual mixed with the. So he, so he yeah. yeah, C.W. Stone King just nails it with his lyrics, his look, um, the way he records it, the yeah. way he plays. It, it's just it all is it's in concert and it, it's it, he just nails it yeah and he nails he those, a lot of fun with those it. nuances uh so this one's called how long um it's soft gone boogaloo um it's i i think it's his third album i think he had two albums before those three technically I mean, wikipedia says his first album was 1998 yeah but i've never and heard like, it and what? you're not gonna find it on spotify and i, I would kill to hear it yeah we should we could probably find it but uh it's self-titled which is always hard to google yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Stone King, you just find how, how long i like uh the call and response really, is it call and response or it's just good old-fashioned backups that yeah. goes hello yeah it's a little bit of i love the style of his yeah. backup singers they sound far away I don't know if that's yeah. because of the way it's recorded, but they sound like they're standing five feet. They sound, it sounds live. It sounds like they're yeah. standing five feet behind him in the recording. And um and they're a little a little bit shrill, maybe. Yeah. Not a not in like a negative like well, they're also, pitchy, but like they well, just Well yeah. Well the, also the way that the recording um process is for this album. Yeah. Like the low ends aren't gonna carry. There's as no well. warmth. Yeah, there's yeah, not gonna be as much low end yeah. because they use one microphone. So like you were saying, which is a good point, like they have people like you, hey, you stand five feet back, stand That's a little further back. And yeah. then they'll be like, hey, let's bring the guitar amp forward a little bit. That's Literally, they'll do they'll do that kind of shit. But anyway, this one uh, is off Gone Boogaloo. It's called How Long? Hang on. 
chest. God, thank but the certainty that is my dread. Man, it's said ain't a heavenly home nowhere. Up above our head, it's just a hole in the air. I look to the east, look to the west. I beat sorrowful through my breath. Child crying, Daddy, what's wrong with you? Can't be satisfied, no matter what I do. How long? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Um, and as I was just talking to Emily about it, uh, he always kicks off his concerts that I've seen since this album came out. Like he, both concerts I've seen, he comes out and like he plays that song because it kind of introduces him in a way. He's like, "Hello, it's, my friends, how yeah. do you do?" Like, do you, it's a good intro yeah. song. And why? Why does it sound to me so gospel driven? Is it? something about I think it's a how long should i wait like him that being a narrator is it something about the backup singer like the vibe of the song to me i feel like i'm in a church yeah like an old like 1920s church but like i, I don't know something <laughs> about it not like a creepy new church like today but you know <laughs> like a, an old you know like an old not a yeah. mega church <laughs> gross um but there's something about it that's yeah i, I can just picture him kind of like standing and like using his hand gestures a lot yeah you know it's it's very preachy yeah, the well, the lyricism in it kind of would lend that yeah. towards that way of thinking. I love um, it, and I love I love in the end where he's like talking how long a pilgrim in this land, death, sin, the politic man. I just oh, love it. Shit. <laughs> yeah, so that, great, that does feel lyrics. very yeah. gospel, and then it almost feels like there's clapping throughout the whole thing. But it, yeah, I, I don't, don't think there. I think it's or like, it just feels like you could clap to it. I think there is clapping in it, um, yeah. but I think it comes in like in maybe the first chorus or something like that. But I, I kind of wanted to talk about like when I did see him. I've seen him twice. So the first time I saw him was in I think it was Huntington Beach in this uh, tiki bar called Beat uh, Don. What is it called? Don the Beachcomber, and it was like this two-sided tiki bar where one was like it just straight looked like a jungle. And then the other side was like fine dining, but it also kind of looked like a jungle. God, tiki bars are such a weird. It was so weird. It was like a whole tiki people love establishment. that shit too. Yeah, yeah. And it's called uh, like Don the Beachcomber. I'm like, who's Don? What's who's a beachcomber? Don? Like, <laughs> no. Who's Don? Yeah, and um, he was just walking around uh, 
because he's not super huge. Um, and he was just kind of walking around and, uh, you know, I extended myself to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm a big fan. I really appreciate you coming all the way, you know, from Australia to California. That's so cool. And, um, he is just so humble and polite and just so nice. And the funny thing is he like talks exactly how he sings. So like, if you yeah, hear his he voice does. on the record, like the way he talks, you're just like, Oh yeah, for sure. You're CW Stone King. And, um, he played, yeah, he played all of his songs off. I think he played all of uh, Gone, Gone Boogaloo, Boogaloo, and he played pretty much all of Jungle Blues. Um, That's a nice yeah. beefy set. Yeah. For like 20 songs, really at least 20 songs. I mean, I think he takes a long time to write, so I don't know how many songs he really has. He's not as prolific as like a lot of the people. But I wonder how many about. songs, and I always wonder this, I wonder how many <sighs> songs, when you're that, um, like articulate as a songwriter and and you really tell stories and you 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 it's almost like composing um a poem or you know prose when you write every yeah. song you're not just like Ooh, I need your love. <laughs> no shade on the beatles but it's like it doesn't just it's not like hey we just need some lyrics to go with this really catchy shit like he's like no i'm gonna write this beginning to end i talked about it with the fleece brothers it's like writing a little novel that has a beginning middle end characters and he's like got so much yeah. going on and he wants the language to be perfect he wants so the language you, to fit do you think correctly. that he like threw out a shit ton of well, that's songs what i was saying like, i was like did, did he maybe write one and sucks. he's like it doesn't it ca i can't complete it somehow yeah. i i bet i'm i'm sure you know he cut i mean I, I mean i've i am not even close to the lyricist he is and i've thrown out so I'm many not, songs i've cut <laughs> out a lot of songs so many songs or you start a song and it's just not going where you want and no. you can't figure out the chorus to work and you just kind of either stick a pin in it and revisit it or yeah. you just throw it out. Yeah. Well, that's usually when we like to get together and then we kind of fill, go, in, Is the, this we fill in the gaps a little yeah. bit with each other's songwriting. Like I'll come up with like a chorus or like a hook with like yeah. guitar parts. I'm like, Emily, I don't know what the <laughs> verses should be about at all. Or you'll come up with me and you'll have like a shit ton of verses and you'll I be like, I need verses. a hook or a bridge. You're like, I need a, I need a bridge for this song. One thing that happened, how we wrote Sweet Soul Music is I, I was like, Stu, I'm writing two songs. And then I sang you what became the <laughs> chorus for Sweet Soul Music. And then I sang you what later become the verses. And I was like, this is two different songs. And you were like, this is the same song. <laughs> You're like, this is one <laughs> song. You're like, this is the same, like, like These chords. are one song and you should throw it in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all garbage. And then you broke a glass. No, um, so, <laughs> no. I was so like, I was like, this you? is like the beginning of a song. This is a different song. And you were like, no, I think that's the chorus to this song. And we mashed them together. And sure enough. And then I sped it up. It was, and, yeah, that was yeah. that was like the movie that thing you do where they're like playing that thing you do all slow <laughs> and they're like and then the drummer's like we're going to try it fast and then they all do it and it's like the hit. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Well, yeah, we did that with audience. Sweet Soul Music. It was like <laughs> so slow. I was like, "How long is this yeah. song?" Like we timed it one time and it was just like way too long. It was like and we it wasn't fun. It no, was just it kind of a fun. slow. And I actually, I actually Frankensteined it further because I took that lead lick that I do, always, do, 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 do. yeah, the da, 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 yeah. Cause I, I used to play a song that unfortunately has been completely lost to time. I recorded it at UCSB in 2010. Damn. 
and it was this weird ass song that was just not very good and it I, it had a that was like the only thing about it i liked at all was that that, that and that's da, 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 da. well but that's how yeah. songwriting works is you're like hey remember that song that didn't go anywhere but we i really like that bridge let's yeah let's like dissect so that I out dug that song yeah up took you know from took the frankenstein the like hands yep. from that song and like sewed, sewed it to your them song. Into yeah. The, yeah and the thing is that actually does bum me out about it is like i had this black laptop for throughout all of college yeah and it is completely no. blue screened or whatever you no. know and it had it I, it turns out it because I, I did have these songs on like uh, Reverb Nation before, but once we formed the real radio keys, I deleted them because uh, they didn't they didn't match anymore. Right, they were just old Stuart solo songs. Yeah, yeah. turns out when I deleted them off of you know the online platform, the only place any- they lived were in my black laptop. Shit. So that thing's dead. I still carry it around like like a fucking you know. Uh, like an urn with like ashes <laughs> in it. I'm like, one day, one day. we'll resurrect this. And you know, honestly, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, maybe. Anyway, Aww. that's how. So we like Frankenstein together a lot of shit. That's um, how songwriting. I feel like like I'm not a novelist, but I did recently read um, this uh, novel, and then I read. I really like the author, so I read Otessa Moshfeg Moshkif. Oh you pronounce God. we are we the worst at pronouncing things in the whole Otessa Moshfig F E G H. Anyway, she I read her novel Clearly. both of her novels, and then she has like an early version of short stories, and I read her short stories, and in each short story there's like a piece, like a character trait or like a habit that's used in her novel. So she like wrote that's like her short stories that she wrote six years ago or whatever, and then she did her novel like last year. And I'm like, you can read pieces of that in the short stories, and it totally reminded me of songwriting. I'm just like, oh, yeah. You have these little ghosts that you like worked on a little bit, or yeah. like this hook that you worked on that never became anything, or in a song that you think is shitty now, and you make your album or whatever, yeah. and you, you know, you can go, hey, and you yeah, you piece together. It's amazing how these bits so- of your it's your creativity. It's your well, own creativity. Well, it's like I'll have a, a like I was saying earlier. I'll have a chorus that I really like, but I can't for the life of me find a verse that I can even tolerate. Like it's so, so strange funny. to me. I suck at choruses. That's why we're a good team. Yeah, so we get. Together I suck at hooks. I like writing weird, you know, verses that no one. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I like your verses because they they have a lot of imagery to them, and then I think that's awesome because I like i'm be not wordy. not great at at the imagery and i'm not great at coming up with like characters like you are and and uh more of a uh, like an old soul kind of feel to it like your Aww. lyrics are very old soul Thanks. feel to me and that and like that's what i appreciate because i'm like well mine's just like <laughs> especially listening to asriel's lyrics no, you just want to like i disagree punch yourself i think right you're more I think you're more of a natural songwriter. I think you can write the sort of songs that uh, they don't sound like you're trying too hard at the lyrics. You're not doing like a dashboard confessional wordy thing where how it's like, dare you how just, dare they? There goes all of our listeners. They're like, we love dashboard. We love emo Fuck music. But you know how it sounds forced? Like vindicated. <laughs> Who says vin- we don't talk like that? So it's not, tr- it's dude, not you're throwing some shit, dude. With, uh, <laughs> with lyrics, but they're great, whatever. But yeah. um, <clears throat> they're just, but it's, they're not our cup of tea. My, I'm, I'm always impressed with songs that are simple. 
um, but deep. Uh, it's like the way Bukowski writes. It's like you're not saying something. You're not saying it too complicated. You're not over like uh, you're not making it too complicated. But you're you're sort of expressing a deep feeling in a simple way. Well, how, how that's hard to do. How many times have you had someone? who like walks into the room and you can tell that they're like brutally intelligent yeah. and they come up to you and start trying to like talk to you using all these like completely unnecessary words and vocabulary to explain a point and you feel like they're almost like belittling you in a way or like trying to like overwhelm you with their intelligence to the point where you get standoffish and you're like I don't want I don't want to hear it even though <laughs> they clearly like have a point but there's something standoffish about that level of um you know, vocabulary and intelligence that can be off-putting, but you can still have that intelligence. You and can have it in songwriting and not too. overpower somebody with it. Yeah, like it's a show of power as much as like if you're like a judo, you know, well, master and you're throwing so some dude around. It's like a same show of power, but only. So I, I think brain. that's a lot of um, flexing in a way too. And so my favorite. I love Bukowski. I'm sure it comes I've from read, like insecurity, like I've read armchair everything psychology. he's ever written. And here's the, I finally found the quote. Okay, so Charles Bukowski says, an intellectual says a simple thing in a hard way. An artist says a hard thing in a simple way. So it's like an intellectual, quote unquote, is, is going to, he's kind of dragging intellectuals. But anyway, he's saying, he's saying he's, you're taking a simple thing, like you're trying to talk about love or not simple but you know what i mean and you're you're adding all these verbs to it and you're just like people just trying to like overpower you like trying to show you how intelligent they are and they're trying to like trying to overcomplicate and it's like can you can you stop it's like the it's like that dude like who has this fucking lifted truck and he's like revving his engine next year like okay dude i'm sure i'm sure you're so badass and cool dude so my favorite thing when i used to host wine tastings i work i work behind the scenes now at my winery but i used to like pour for people and host you know people and you get in napa valley you get the novices to like the snob assholes that probably know more than me because they've been studying wine or whatever their whole life and they're just total nerds about it and they they're the worst people to host because <laughs> they're complete assholes. Yeah. But anyway, so so my favorite <laughs> groups would always be like a novice or two with a quote unquote, you know, expert or two. And the experts would be trying to like explain the wine to the novices and the novices would be like, Well, you know, I like it because it reminds me of um goat cheese and blueberries. And I'd be like, that's fucking spot on. Like in my head, I'd be like, that's exactly what it tastes like. You know, and that's like, and then, you know, the expert or whatever is saying, well, it's, and then they're using all their little back history. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. What does the wine taste like to you? Well, for me, you like know, when it just I, doesn't... I mean, like I'm not an intellectual or a wine guy, but like when I, yeah. I mean, I like wine, obviously we drink it all the time, but I, what I like to do when I'm drinking wine is I like to, instead of thinking like, I'm drinking wine right now. What does this wine taste like? I like kind of try to think about it like you're blindfolding me and you're feeding me something or yeah. and then I'm trying to f- guess the taste of of what that is rather than yeah. thinking of it as wine in general. And the same thing with smelling it like I'm not thinking of it as wine. I'm trying to think of like what am I smelling right now? Like obviously yeah. it smells like wine. Like It's but so mu- but it's so much fun to uh dive into that. I think one thing I still I my palate is fine it's not i think yours it's is not really great good. it's it's just learned basically but you can also some people have better or more taste buds than other people that's just 
That's um, just a thing. Like our Uncle Andy has no taste buds. Some anymore. people have none. And <laughs> no. it's really <laughs> sad. No, not Andy. It's but just hot sauce. So he, he eats way too much oh, hot sauce. Yeah. I asked uh, I asked my one of my sons once, I said, what's worse to uh, have something hot like uh, temperature wise, like hot coffee or spicy? And he said spicy is worse because really? it's actually, oh, sorry, because it's actually, um, sorry, I reversed that. Sorry. Uh, hot fit like uh temperature oh. hot is worse because it's actually burnt it's hurting your Literally taste buds burning, yeah. um although like the ho- like do you just eating a habanero buds? or whatever doesn't help you either he's like they're both bad just don't fu- like if you want to be a psalm you don't fuck with that stuff yeah. um because i was like oh you know i used to kind of smoke and like i drink like hot what? hot you coffee smoke? black coffee like straight off the burner hot and I eat spicy foods so like are my taste buds ruined? i'm just picturing you pouring boiling water <laughs> <down your face. laughs> Oh, but anyway, what I was gonna say is I so so in my time of of my really 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 light study of wine, I can say that one of the first hits when I try a wine is I can usually tell just quality of like how it was made. I can usually tell if they're masking it. So if sugar was oh. added or if sulfur was added, I can tell. Um, what I can't escape now is if it's like a vanilla oak. Um, oh, if I can some taste people are really sensitive oak, to oak. I'm like, yeah. like you can really, you can tell. I used to explain to people, like, why is this bottle of wine two hundred? Why is this, you know, Trader Joe's wine five dollars? And I was like, it's cost. It's all cost of production. How much does land cost in Napa? How how oh, much? Oh, fucking shit ton. Yeah. How <laughs> like, are you so getting? Much. Are you getting eighteen hundred dollar barrels barrels like from France? From yeah, or are you getting region. like this cheap shit? Or are you just getting big? metal tanks that you're putting your red wine mm. in like it's it's all and then also you're paying like how much time how much real estate are they spending in the barrel because the longer they spend in there the more they develop or are you sp- letting them spend six months in there because you don't want to pay somebody to keep it alive because wine's alive oh. so you know you have to have well, people treat yeah. it daily that's crazy yeah and it's so crazy so yeah you're paying for the for its life for its like babyhood to the bottle <clears throat> anyway, I'll stop talking about. No, wine. I fucking love that. <laughs> I remember going to a, um, a winery in Sonoma. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but they had like they had like a very diverse uh, vineyard where they'd yeah. have like super high on like a hilltop. Um, oh wow! Grapes, and yeah. they had like super low yeah. in a valley. Like all different soils, and then they had like yeah. sun facing, and then they had like shade facing. So they had all these yeah, different plants. regions that are like. I mean, not regions, but, you know, like, um, how was the word? Uh, climate. I guess climate uh, was kind of. A, it's basically the way that the sun's affecting it and yeah, the yeah, altitude. Yeah. They had all these different variables through each each uh, part of their vineyard. So they decided to exploit that and, like, bottle each one separately. So when they're pouring it for you, they're like, can you taste that this one is this way because of that? And then they, like, try to explain it to you. And that was yeah. that was super cool to me because it's like, all the same it was I think it was pretty much all the same grape, but it was just the those differences between the altitude and the God, I keep on wanting to say region, but that is not No, you're correct. fine. Yeah. Our our winemaker has talked about how he'll pick a he'll pick one row. It'll be like one block of land that's like you could throw a baseball across it like that that big you know yeah. i'm not gonna try to measure that because i'm really bad at <laughs> guessing distances 30 yards 50 feet? <laughs> i don't know 50 yards across i don't know the living room? 
<laughs> so anyway, um, like just a little area, right? Yeah. And it's the same grape and it's the same soil and it's the same like sun exposure or whatever, same canopy. And he's picking the first three rows one week and then the next three rows another week. And it's like, why? I, it, it's just, yeah, it's just the way that, yeah, the grapes are developing. Yeah. Wine's Wine, fun, no, man. No, wine's awesome. There's so much to learn about. It's, it's, a, it's a bottomless pit. Or yeah. a ce- or you know a ceilingless sky. What's the opposite <laughs> of that expression? Bottomless pit sounds kind of negative. <laughs> sounds dark as fuck. Bottomless pit of no. But it's like I you know you can start learning about wine that's and it's what, like dude you will never know everything. That's about what we wine. go down to. You too. just won't. We you go down the bottomless pit if these you go down the bottomless pit. <laughs> um, I guess the what's the opposite of that expression? No ceiling. No. Yeah, I guess roof? I'm. Uh, no sky's the limit. <laughs> now I'm just throwing shit in there. But yeah, I mean, I think the. I think everyone gets it. But <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's, it's endless. It's an ocean it's of possibility. Well, yeah. what I love about it, too, is it's it's physically, ma- it's farming at the end of the day, which yeah. is so cool that we still get together. It's bougie-ass farming. It's <laughs> It doesn't feel very bougie working in a winery and seeing these dudes in jeans just, you know, like wrestling big trays yeah, of grapes around. Yeah, they're paying like it's fucking $1,500 studios in Napa Valley. Like the fucking rent in, not just California. I mean, the California's out of the... I feel it's like rough. artists are gonna get pushed out of California just by virtue of the the rent cost. They should all just be seller rats. They they'd love it. Yeah, it's creative. I don't know. I've never done it. I'm yeah. just. <laughs> it looks fun. I it don't know. It does look fun. Making wine. Yeah. You don't get to stomp the grapes anymore, but I think there's still other fun aspects of it. But yeah, um, when I uh, so just a completely. Hard change back to CW Stone King. Hard transition. Hard transition. Yeah, I drink. Um, <laughs> I drink more whiskey um, than wine generally. That's like my main. I just only drink wine. It's That's my mainy main. I, I throw some uh, soda water in there to kind of make it um, a little more tolerable. <laughs> I don't want to say tolerable because I like the taste of whiskey. It's just like I also like like the act of drinking, whether it's water, whether it's soda, which I don't oh, drink it's anymore, just but hand like, to mouth. I drink yeah, water it's... all day. I always drink liquid. I drink, I drink an insane I drink amount of water. I drink coffee all morning, and yep. then I drink water all day, and then I drink whatever I'm drinking at night. And I'm all always I, drinking yeah. liquid. So that's why that's I good. like whiskey, soda water, because it doesn't, it doesn't alter the taste of the whiskey too much. It dumbs it a little. And right. It it's a not little. like a tonic where it has its own yeah. flavor that's bad, although gin and tonic is But it gives amazing. me a little bit more volume to sip and like, um, that's I, why I can't do like, uh, yeah, like whiskey or scotch, like just, what's it called? Like just, uh, just straight, straight. Yeah. It's yeah. like, cause you're sipping on a shot and I'm like, when I have something in front of me, I kind of want to like drink it. That's why wine's yeah. good. Cause it's like, you have a like, volume of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whiskey for me, it, I like sipping it. I like it neat, like just sipping it. I like it on the rocks, just sipping it, but I like it best with soda water because they don't throw all that sugar and all that artificial, well, art, sugar, ugh, artificial yeah. flavors in there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I like the I like the soda water, and it also gives it that kind of carbonated feel, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I kind of wanted to tell this story because it's just a badass story. Um, C Dub. Yeah, C Dub. I was uh, seeing him for the second time in. Uh, this is really recently yeah, too. This it's it it's Burbank. just after Thanksgiving now, so this no, is what a month ago. It was uh, right before thing or sorry Thanksgiving, right before Halloween. Halloween. It was right. like probably a few days before Halloween. Yeah, because Halloween friend, was on like a Wednesday. So my friend Mickey and her uh, <laughs> her friend Alex, and he's a cool guy. He uh, he's kind of a producer musician type too. So he oh, like nice. he produced a lot of her music. 
Oh yeah. And he like, uh, I think he does. I feel like he does almost all the instruments. And her her recordings went from when I recorded her. It's like a acoustic guitar, piano, slide guitar, vocals. That's it, pretty much. Yeah. And then when he's doing it, it's more of like a Phil Spector kind of like wall of sound production. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. There's a That's lot cool. more going on, which is cool. Yeah. Um. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. I I got it on the on the old Dropbox. Um. Uh. So. We, the three of us, trekked down to Burbank one night. Um, I think it was Burbank. Uh, and we went to this bar, and it was like a super small bar. This one actually was not a tiki bar. But it was during that, uh, <laughs> that World Series game that turned out to be the longest World Series game in the history of Just kill me. World that Series. sounds <laughs> so goddamn boring. Dude, was it six hours? There are so, dude, Just it's so kill much. Me. And, um, oh, no, <clears throat> thank you. We we showed up and the the game was still on <laughs> when we got there. God. And uh, we start we start drinking some whiskey. Um, we're having a good time. They they push the show back because it's going on and on and on. This game. Oh, they wanted the show to start after the World Series. Well, they didn't want to play the World what Series while the show was going because it's like a it's I don't want to call it a sports bar because it wasn't a sports bar. But, but people were watching. But it was a it. bar with a shit ton of TVs, so okay. people are chilling and like watching the Dodgers in Los Angeles in the World Series. Uh, like okay. imagine if you're in San Francisco and the Niners are in the Super Bowl or something, and you're trying to yeah, fucking play a show, and like yeah, they're not gonna like. Be like, hey, everyone, click, 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 and turn off the fucking Super Bowl. And then that poor musician gets on stage, and it's like, no, and don't put me on. I don't want to play right now. The opener for the band you came to see. You're like, god damn it. Did he have an opener? Yeah. Her name was Sierra Farrell, I want to say. Sierra Elizabeth You put a video of her. She kind of picks like Justin Towns Earl. Dude, she is so weird. She uh she literally sounded like an FM radio when she was singing. Like I don't know how she makes her voice sound like that, but you can Google her name Sierra Sierra Farrell. Two R's, two L's, and Farrell. Is it P H or F? F. Okay. And um, she open. She actually is opening for him throughout his tour That's here, awesome. and then now he's on a European tour, and she's opening for him throughout there. I think nice. she's from West West Virginia. Um, and she is so unique. Like her lyrics are also like kind of old timey and unique. Ah, so he found uh, his perfect. Yeah, opener. it's just a perfect cl- like compliment to him. Nice. And she's a bad guitar player in a good way. Bad, just like she she can really play guitar. And um, she she was very interesting and unique. That's awesome. Very interesting. Um, so we were enjoying her, and um, halfway through her set. And the game is still going on, by oh, the way. Me, and yeah. she's commenting on it. Like, everyone's, like, kind of watching. Like, they turned off a few screens that are, like, facing God, away from the sucks. stage. So, yeah. so people aren't, like, you know, facing the stage but looking at a screen, you know? Yeah. And it just gets to a point where I'm like, can we just, like, if people want to watch the game, can, can they, they just, just not leave? be here? Yeah. Like, I, anyway, I agree with that, but yeah. Anyway, we're watching her. She's killing it. Sounds like an FM radio from fucking 1915. And um, <laughs> and I decide to go uh, get a drink at the bar. Be- and I'm getting around for uh, Mickey, Alex, and myself. And um, I get to the bar. I'm like waiting behind because there's, you know, a bunch of people sitting at the bar too watching. Right. And so I'm like sitting, I'm like standing behind him, like waiting, waiting, waiting. And like, the the bartender's acting like I'm a fucking ghost. Like he's not even making <laughs> eye contact with me. I'm like, who are you serving? You know, 
I'm starting to get a little frustrated. And then this uh, guy comes and stands next to me, obviously in the same boat as me, like trying to get the attention of the fucking bartender. But he's a little closer to this little, you know, that little section where uh, the waitresses like put all the empty drinks. You know, they always like, yeah, we we hate it when you stand there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You hate it when you stand there. So, There's like little bars right there, and there it's yes. so you can grab shit. When yes. you're tra- yeah, we so hate it when you stand there. Don't stand there, guys. It was the opposite. They wanted us to order drinks from there because okay. they don't want to serve drinks over patrons. So Ugh, whatever. This guy comes and he accidentally stands in front of the correct area to get a drink, and I am standing like you know three feet next to him in the wrong area. Yeah. And I uh, and the bartender looks at him. He goes, "Hey man, can I help you?" Um. <clears throat> And I look over and I'm like, oh, shit, that's Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. Just like immediately oh. noticed him. I was like, because I was a huge fan growing up and like I, I saw him and. Um, He's a very specific face, too. Yeah. You can't mistake that. Like I, I Google imaged him and I was like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Like he's a very, very memorable. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I actually I actually this was actually before the bartender noticed us. I I, uh, I I was just like, hey man, I'm a big fan. Like, I really appreciate your music. I didn't want to make it weird. Like, How cool. Yeah. So and then and then it was when the bartender noticed him, and he you know he was nice. He I didn't want to like dig in too much and be like, man, yeah. can I get a selfie with you or like yeah. can I like you're you're at another person's show. Too, you know, can so I hug like... you like for three <laughs> seconds or like whatever? You know, <laughs> I didn't want to do anything weird, and I just like kind of un- like low key. I also didn't want to like blow up his spot and be like. Hey, shit, it's a Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Yeah, he's just trying to chill and watch CW, yeah. yeah. And this is a small bar. Yeah. So I, you know, kind of low-key, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. I just want to let you know. Like, and he's like, oh, I thanks. I really appreciate it. And then the bartender looks at him and goes, hey, man, what can I get you? Because he's, you know, standing in the right spot. And I'm like, some <laughs> piece of shit just <laughs> in the wrong spot. They're going to serve feet. over customers. Yeah. They might leave. Yeah, or just, you know. Break don't serve glass. it over them. Just serve it to me in the spot that's over there, and then I'll just walk over there. You can serve between people anyway, at the bar. It, it was ridiculous. Fine. This guy was being like passive aggressive, and uh, he goes to Josh Homme. He's like, "What? Do you, what do you want to drink?" And and Josh Homme like points at me. He goes, "Oh no, he was here first. I just walked up." Oh no! And way. Uh, I'm like about to order, you know, <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy just straight up says, "I don't care. What do you want?" To him. Oh, he's one of those bartenders. Yeah, he's those, one of those bartenders. I have all the power in the like, world, bartender. I'm sitting here thirsty as shit. And um, Josh Homme looks at me and he goes, hey, man, what do you want to drink? Aww. And I go, whiskey soda. Like, that's what I, you Fuck know, you, bartender. Yeah. So Josh Homme orders me a whiskey soda. He orders like a couple of Patrons for him and his, his buddy. And oh, uh, he just bought me a drink like that just for... Oh. He's just a nice guy. Like I know there's a, like a lot of horror stories about him, but I don't know any of the horror stories. Oh, they're so. they're not good. <laughs> don't Google them. No, <laughs> just a lot of bad words and uh, physical violence. But that's it. Oh wow. Okay. But anyway, I think he's probably like an emotional kind of guy. Maybe. Oh, like the Oasis Brothers. <laughs> You know, like he, every musician like ever every that gets in fights. Every creative person, like it's every like, creative person is, yeah, pretty true. Like, I don't feel like. I mean, we can definitely like be a little like, you know, a, a little emotional sometimes. But we don't like. Well, yeah, you're putting your heart and soul into what you're doing, and you're sharing it with to, people, and people yeah. are criticizing it. I I get that, but I I've also never been the type of, I don't know, creative type to, sort of. Uh, not be able to 
keep their emotions in check either and yeah. make a scene. I don't make I, scenes, Well, there's one video think. of him where like some guy like jumps on his stage and like starts like dancing or whatever, you know, just trying to be like Oh shit. He's just that one of that guy from the audience, you yeah. know, who like gets on stage and thinks that now he's part of the show. That pisses me off. One of those guys? Yeah. And <laughs> Josh Homme just runs up behind him and boots his ass off the stage. Oh shit. And uh <laughs> he and everyone's like, "Oh shit." You know, like everyone Damn. sees it. It's on video, like you can google it on YouTube. And Josh Homme like goes back to the mic and he goes, "This is my fucking stage." <laughs> like, I like that. So I don't care. So Dude, fucking cold. I there's also I don't know. Like, if you're touring all the time, you're you're dealing with you're unruly just tired people. Of this bullshit, I dude. God, if somebody jumped on stage, it's it's a security thing at that point, and it's just like a yeah. don't be a, don't be an asshole. Well, I mean, like Dimebag Daryl got fucking shot. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of people in the audience know to not jump on the fucking stage, and one drunk yeah. asshole is like, "I'm gonna make this about me." Yeah, fuck it's that like, guy. Fuck you, dude. Fuck that guy. But there's other times where, like, there was, like, a photographer chick who was, like, taking photos, and he made a mistake that thought he she was just, like, some random person taking photos, maybe. Oh, but she was, and like, pressed. I'm not, I'm not sure like the, the story behind it, but he basically... Broke her camera. He kicked her camera while she oh. was taking pictures. So she... He basically kicked her in the face through the camera. You know what I mean? Like... Which could be really bad because yeah. there's a lot of glass. And in he camera. he issued like a pretty heartfelt apology. I felt like of like video apology about yeah, it. Yeah, that's but, not okay. But he ha- that's the thing is I'm trying to say is he has like a, a like a history of these lapses. Wow. Where he like has like this this knee jerk reaction to something yeah. that makes him look bad, and he's like dropped the those. Uh, bad f bombs and i'm not talking about the f-u-c-k bombs i'm talking about the oh. he, he's dropped those like a lot towards is people he american he's yeah american right yeah i was gonna say is he british that'd be my but only the whole point <laughs> i'm trying to make is to yeah. me he was a really nice guy Aww. and he he has a podcast actually too called the alligator hour with josh homie it's a good name and uh it seems i haven't listened to it yet because it's like on a weird platform it's not like on normal podcasting platform oh, okay. but i want to check it out but um he's a Dude, Queens of the Stone Well, Age. I like to remember to take people at face value. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could, so when you, you, you hear took things the about worst people, story yeah. from me, like if you took all yeah. of my worst stories and compiled them together and then you made a book about me and you're like, this is the book of Stuart. This is who it would be like, is. hey, wait, time out, time out. Can we like interject like a few things in between here that yeah. might be redeeming? You know, I've definitely, like, I've been in the social situation <clears> where it's like, no one likes this person because of this, this, and this. And then you meet them and you're like, I, I got no problem with this person. I got no. You know, yeah. I, that's why I I I tend to I don't know. That's how I tend to go about life. Is yeah. you can prove to me if you're a dick or not, and if you're not, yeah, it's great. You know, <laughs> dude. I, I but feel the same on way. that note, though, I'm pretty bad with first impressions. If someone's an asshole the first time I meet them, just like an mm-hmm. unforgivable asshole, I kind that kind of sticks with me. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of sticks with that's me. Not just Even if you, they're though, cool later, everybody. they're like, no, I wasn't a bad. Oh, you know, I was drunk or whatever. I'm just like, no, like. You were just like the worst person, and like I just I don't know. There's there I definitely that's my one th- cross that I still bear is I tend to hold little grudges when I when someone's a complete asshole to me when they first meet me because I'm like I'm a stranger. Why are you gonna be? Well, the other thing is I I think that's like I mean that's why they say like first impressions are everything. You know? Yeah. Like that's why because people definitely hold first aggressions or first aggressions first impressions as a just. It's just stronger than any other time you'll meet someone. Like the way that yeah. you think of someone when you first meet them 
for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like imprinted in our fucking DNA to think this way, but it's not just you. Like it's everybody. So yeah, it's gotta. Well, we're all like survivalists, so we're like, is this person a threat? Yeah, I mean, it's all like (laughs) fucking evolutionary psychology, where it's like. If someone's a dick to you and you're in the fucking jungle, it's like this person literally might kill me. They might take, kill me and take my. It's not Game of Thrones. And take my family. <laughs> like, <laughs> like every character in Game of Thrones is like, is this guy gonna kill somebody? No, <laughs> But I do like the fucking older dude. The older I get, finger. it's like I don't need, I don't need m- more friends. So when I meet new people, I'm I'm excited to meet new people. I'm open to meet new people. I'm happy to make new friends. But if you're a dick, I'm not going to be like when I was 21 <laughs> where I'm like, I want everyone to like me. And like, I want to yeah. win this person over. I'm just like, up. Oh, fuck so you're you. So you're not hashtag no new friends? Hashtag no new friends. I'm not. No, I'm not that extreme. <laughs> but like, I'm also like, look, I, do, I don't need everybody to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Josh, Josh Homme was very nice to me. And he, yeah, it was yay. so cool to see him watch CW because the reason. So I, he just I, came to see CW. No, he's a big CW fan How because cool is that? he. He had CW and his band open for him on the Queens of the Stone Age Australian tour in 2018. Um, so he's like a big fan of CW. So like when I saw him in LA at CW without his full band, he's just going acoustic. Um, I don't think he can really afford to bring like a full band out from Australia and tour around. I think it's a lot easier for it just to be CW and maybe a tour manager, you know? Yeah. I'm, maybe if he found like... An American band. Yeah, dude, he could hey, do sign it. me up, CW. <laughs> You're like, Put pay me, me $20 a show. I'll be your dude. backup singer. Yeah, I I'll don't care. I'll, I'll be like, hello. Hello. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's just a fan, and it was cool to see like Josh Homme, like in this fucking ginormous band. Like, Queens of the Stone Age is a ginormous band. I forget band. that they were yeah. huge. No, they're they, not. They are huge. Are they still. Yeah, they're selling out, like, they're, they're selling still out still stadiums, and I maybe mean, they're not stadiums, like, fucking a football but they're probably selling out like Oracle Arena, maybe like if they came to Oakland. I believe it. I think they probably sell out at least like the Greek Theater, right? I mean, oh yeah, definitely. Conquer Pavilion, like they'd be playing that the Shoreline. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to see him in like this small club, like with maybe two hundred people there to see the show, and he's like three people over from me, and he's like hooting and hollering, like he's like an eighteen-year-old girl out of How fucking. How fun that he can do that though. Taylor Swift can... concert and just like singing yeah. the lyrics and like just the the innocence of his fandom in that moment, despite the fact that he is this massive rock star who has all these you know these little blurbs in his history that aren't too positive and. I don't know. I he he like the Queens of the Stone Age uh, for me and my cousin Matt. They were like one of our biggest influences as a, as a band growing up. So to be able to meet him and have him actually be a cool guy and not like a total dick, like you hear about him being like, yeah. Usually it's the opposite. Like you hear about a guy being like super cool, and then you meet him and he like doesn't want to sign like an autograph for you. Not that I asked for that shit, but yeah, you know, just he was he was there's certain a musician- welcome yeah. surprise because I was when I saw him I was like kind of nervous to say hi because i heard these things about him you, you know? expect him to be sort of brooding and he wasn't nice. he's yeah. a big ass dude too by the way like he looks like a big dude. i'm not a small guy i'm like six to 200 pounds and this guy was like much bigger than me yeah and by the way so is stone king too is he <laughs> yeah he's big too he doesn't really look like it i Might think be i think he outfits. is anywhere from six two to six four cw oh wow maybe even taller he was a he's a big dude like there's a picture of me on my Instagram uh, with him and Mickey, 
Okay, so you met CW at the same show. So yeah, how sorry, did that I, I kind of got ahead of myself. Uh, I ended well, up, but you met Josh first. Yeah, I mas- met Josh Homme, and then uh, after CW played, it was just a, such a small venue. Like he's just chilling. I at just the bar? walked. No, I just, I just got on because people were like getting on the stage to say hi to him, and he seemed fine with it. So I was like, "Wow, okay, I'll just do it." How like, cool is that? So I just did it, and then he was super nice. I took a few selfies with him. Aww. Not selfies, sorry, that's wrong. I took normal human pictures with him. And <laughs> Somebody took it. <laughs> Somebody else. A third party yeah, took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, there could not be a more like sweet, humble guy than CW. He is such a good. He seems like such a good guy. He like, seems kind of shy in his interviews. He's super shy. Yeah, he's yeah. super shy. He's super humble. Yeah. And he's just. You can tell like there's this kindness about him too. Which yeah. it. I think it doesn't like it doesn't come through his his music has like a lot of mystique to it. Yeah. So it doesn't come through that he's like this super humble, kind person because his music. Is, I think he's. It has like dark subjects. Like his music has pretty dark subjects, you know, like with the fucking hoodoo he's charm. He's creative. I think he's an introvert. Yeah. I think he is an introvert. Yeah. I mean, he lives in this like, he always call, calls it out in the country. He's like, oh, up in the country. You know, he just bought yeah. like this ranch up in probably. Well, he's got a handful Catherine, of kids, wherever right? the hell. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, what do you say? He's like my tribe of my tri- children. Me and my tribe. <laughs> <Him> <laughs> my and tribe of children. His kids and, and, his, yeah, wife. <laughs> and his wife. Well, so you it, know what I think is so impressive is, and we talked about this with uh, Ian Felice, it's like, I think he's a total shy guy. I think he's an introvert. I think he's like very creative. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think Bob Dylan is a similar vein to these guys. I think Bob Dylan is like the most extreme version of that like yeah. stereotype. Like where I don't know if he can really function socially. Like you watch yeah. interviews with Bob and you're like, what is going on? But <laughs> yeah, what he is like he does doing? like concerts like with his back to the audience. Yeah, I saw him live and he does yeah. that. Um, but like I'm so impressed when those people are musicians because it's like, God, they, they need to be creative and they have this drive to like write these stories and write these songs. But then they have to fucking get in front of people and perform it. And mm-hmm. that must be so hard for them. Yeah. I don't know, because I'm not really the introvert type of songwriter. I'm kind of a stage person. I, I just. Well, I've already said, like, that's why I like you without the guitar in your hands, which we're trying to get you to play guitar more. But, like, yeah. you're such a natural stage presence. When you play guitar, it's like. And you work, you work up to that. Like, yeah. you, I was not natural for a long time, like, and you work up to but it. But it's like a different task. Now, now you have to focus on, like, oh, shit, I'm playing guitar, too. So yeah. maybe you're not as... Because, I mean, like, Pete Townsend didn't just, like, roll out of bed and start doing these fucking windmills and shit like that. Like, yeah. you practice them. Like, he, yeah. he practiced that. Yeah. And, like, Hendrix doing those, like, dives where he goes down, like, that deep squat, and he's, like, holding the guitar out in front of him. Yeah. Like, he didn't just fucking do that one day and he's yeah. like oh i'm on stage in front of <laughs> twenty thousand people doing this but it play feels behind that way. the back of my it head feels what like, is it feels like he was just moved yeah. to that and you're like oh my god it's like in the vein of like, it's, like it's he, just under my leg now oh my oh, god shit. No, it's just it, happening no they practice it and yeah. it's like it sounds dorky as hell to be like well, but they're comfy so, they're comfy yeah they're picture comfy like to do that too Picture Jimi Hendrix in his bedroom, like playing under his leg. Like, definitely. It happened hundreds of times. Definitely. And like playing behind his head, having yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan, fucking any of these guys. Yeah. Like they did that hundreds of times before they did it on stage. Yeah. So it's like to all of a sudden just be playing guitar and performing. It's not like you're all, you're going to have the same exuberance that you have as like a feels, natural. Oh, it feels completely different. Singer. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was kind of you know hesitant about getting you to play guitar but i think i think you're you're really progressing well thanks 
you just start with the really basic shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I've been doing for years and years. It's like, we're just going to have you play G, C, and D. Yeah. Great. I mean, that's how everyone starts. Yeah. It's a fun place to start because just just facing out. Like when we practice and we're all like facing each other as a band and then we get on stage at like toots and like the stage is shaped where there's like a uh, like the f- middle of it goes out forward a little bit for the singer. And I'm like suddenly jutted like in front of all you guys. Oh, yeah. And you guys are behind me. And you can't and I'm see playing us And I can't see you and I can't. Yeah, that's that's fucking well, crazy. Different. I always want everyone to be able to hear my guitar because I. Yeah, I. I don't like I drive a lot of the the rhythm and also I don't know I just the guitar well, is I like I, for radio keys I, I like the guitar if it's is ever a, up to me I like to be at least like next to you guys instead of in front of you guys because it's so nice to just be able to have you in my peripheral to see sort of you know because yeah. that's that's how I don't know that's how I feel comfortable on stage is yeah. with with my band yeah you you don't want to you don't want to necessarily feel like naked out there like all alone I like, think like Freddie Mercury, like that guy is such an. We were just watching like the Live Aid concerts uh, and shit. Like that guy, yeah. is He he could be a, a karaoke singer and like he's gonna be acting like that, you know? Like <laughs> he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. He's yeah. He's just incredible talent. But yeah, I um, I I think I've played by myself on stage like one time and it felt so alien. I I think people work up to it. You've done it a bunch of times. But yeah. it's it's ju- yeah. It's I don't like it. I don't I, like it I either. Get, <laughs> uh, no, I mean I like it. I, I like it better than like fucking going to an office and working. Yeah. But I don't like it as much as playing with a band because yeah. I feel so exposed. Like if I fuck oh, up, yeah, it's there's no hiding it. Like if I fuck up on electric guitar, I've got you singing. I've got Alante and Tom um, yeah. playing and that's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm just playing chords in like a loud ass song and I'm like, oh, I hit that chord late. It's like it's so loud. Can yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope no one knows. Yeah, but it's it's nice to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, CW when he plays, he like he's all alone and he kills yeah. it. Like the way his guitar playing is so expressive, like he does that kind of jazz blues style where he's like playing like a lot of in between chords. It's kind of, it sounds kind of um, uh, rhythmic. It's kind of jerky. Yeah. Is that mean? Like he's uh, he's doing a lot of rhythm with his guitar. Well, he player. has to. I mean, yeah. he has to when he's alone. Yeah. But the thing that is impressive to me is he's playing like lead lines and he's also playing melody. And he's lines playing lead lines and singing. And which singing. Is so and he's hard. playing like transitional chords between like the major chords so it, it like oh wow so this it sounds full it doesn't it's sound like very there's, full. there's like sometimes yeah. he plays with a bass line you know in the lower part of the of, of the guitar he like plays the chords it's badass. yeah he'll play bass lines he'll play the lead line on top which is kind of like the melody and he'll also play like the chords as well so he does like a lot of shit while he's playing yeah. and like if you listen to like desert isle or like some of these songs off gone boogaloo like he'll really understand more what i'm talking about yeah but um he yeah he he has a very expressive old school way of playing guitar and um it like being able to see him twice it was so funny one time he was doing the uh i think it's called like the lion talking lion blues and it's this whole song about like this lion who is like trying to get this guy and he ends up getting punched in the nose by this guy the and lion does? Yeah, and oh, the lion is actually kind of a wuss, so he like gets all bummed out and like starts crying. He's like a cowardly lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he starts Aww. to cry. 
And uh, the guy, being you know the classic human, he says, "I'm gonna fucking capture this lion and make no. a shit ton of money off him because no. he talks." So he like cages him. Oh, he's an actual talking lion. He's literally a talking oh, lion. So okay. he's trying to like get this lion talking, and then like he ends up getting back in the jungle, and he ends up going to court in front of all these animals who also talk, and like this. Animal court like it's puts so this guy to prison. To imagine all but that. But it's called the Talking Lion Blues, and like the first lyric is like, "I was over in Africa mining for gold," and he <laughs> was just he couldn't. He just got the giggle fits like in the middle of it, and like he couldn't. <laughs> no! Yeah, he couldn't stop laughing after he was like, "I was over in Africa," and just like started <laughs> dying laughing every single time. Oh, and, like, he doesn't take himself too seriously. No, the I like whole that. crowd was dying laughing. It was so funny. <laughs> And he finally so gets through the whole song, but like he also has like this very quick wit that he uses on stage that is really dry, and it's so funny. He said he says uh, I think it's quoted on his website bio or somewhere, but he says something like uh, I tend to kind of start telling background stories about the songs, and then I start rambling, and it's really just to entertain myself <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and he always wears, like, these white suits and stuff. I've seen him wear, like, other Full colors sometimes. But yeah. almost, I mean, when I've seen him play, he's always worn different shit. But, like, when he's doing, like, these televised things, he's always wearing, like, all white with a bow tie. Yeah. And, um, oh, shit, where was I going he with this? looks good. Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck, I, was I like the idea of this. dressing up when you play music. Like, when we play with other local bands yeah. and they're, like, they look like they rolled out of bed, I, I'm a little, like, come on. Like, there's got to be a little bit of... Just a little bit of like, I'm I'm perform like it's an honor to perform in front of an audience. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's old fashioned to me, but it's like I I I hate. Yeah, I I like um. You don't have to dress up, but yeah. looking like a slob, I'm always a little like, come on, man, you know. Yeah. Or whoever. Oh, I remember what I was gonna say now. So he was like talking to this guy. He's like, I try to do something different, like different themes for all my albums, like. One, you know, King Hokum is like all blues. Jungle Blues is like a more full band with the primitive horn orchestra. And they are like a little more full. And then Gone Boogaloo is like the one microphone concept with the electric guitar. Yeah. And then uh, the guy's like, well, what are you going to do next? Like the most fucking <laughs> loaded question. He's like, maybe I'll wear red. <laughs> like, you know, just like little things he like that. He doesn't think yeah. too much about yeah. it. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, I think we should play another song. We've been yammering. We've been yammering. Um, uh, you wanted to play one off of Gone Boogaloo. I like the song um, Tomorrow Gonna Be Too Late because different from the other songs we played, it sounds really uh, more influenced by uh, like girl groups of the 50s and 60s like and like doo-wop. It sounds like... Oh. Um, it almost sounds like Tears on My Pillow... Or like uh, Silhouettes on the Shade, where it's just like a, it's almost like a sad love ballad, but it's also got that upbeat kind of like call and response doo-woppy 50s yeah. thing going on. And it also like has, that, it has that guitar that I was talking about too. Like it has like a lot of that leading uh, jazz uh, choral yeah. style guitar. And great and, backups. Um, I love too. that one part where he goes, leave me hanging round your gate. Get away from there, dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He just has like these weird little like, Parts of his songs where he like kind of breaks. I don't like he is this character. Like, yeah, he is in so much character when he sings. It goes back to like the Jungle Man, like King Hokum yeah. stuff. Like he's always in character when he sings, even when he does it live. Like yeah, when he when he when he sings this song live, he does the same thing. 
Yeah. It, it's just great. So um Yeah, it's kind of a different vibe. I I like this song a lot. Yeah, this one's off shows of different colors of his uh, Gone Boogaloo. I think it's his third like major release. I think you could consider it his fifth total release, but third major release it, and it's called uh Tomorrow Gone Me Too. What did you say? And I'll come back again tomorrow. Girl, that's the same old thing you told me yesterday. I don't know what to say. Don't know what to do. The way you string along this poor old heart so true. You said that you love me. Then leave me to hanging around your gate. Get away from there, dog. Wow. But don't say tomorrow, tomorrow gon' be too late. It's so it, like the way he narrates it too. Sounds like it could have been like a cover of a Sherelle song. I love it. And yeah, there's a lot of that talky carnival yeah. barker thing that he's doing. Yeah, he's not barking as much. He's oh. just like, oh yeah, I guess a little bit. But he's like narrating <laughs> it like almost. Yeah, like, that talk singing. Yeah, it's very doo woppy. Yeah, he has another song in this album uh, that's very similar. And the way uh, that the way it's about it's about him like dying in a car crash. Um, and he's like talking about how he shouldn't have to go yet. And there's like, he's got too much stuff to do and like all this kind of stuff. 
and it's the same kind of like narration. So there's a few like there's, there's a few a lot songs of, uh, like like that on this 60s album. pop songs that are about <laughs> teenagers in yeah. car crashes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, shit. You have to tell me twice about that. Or like if you think about the intro to like Run Around Sue. Here's my story. It's sad but true. Ooh. And then the ba- <laughs> it's just like that because he's like talking and then they're singing and then yeah. talking and then the backup singers are going and very very. I used to cover that song similar. all it's the time. It's such a good song. Yeah, I used and to be in a. Hip, hip, yeah, I used hip, to be in a fifties cover band uh, with Anna and Vince Jump and back. all of them called Jump Great Back. Great yeah. band. And I, that was one of the ones I sang. I love it. Love that's it. a that's a classic. Dion. Yeah, yeah Dion. Dion. Some, I think he's like, what is he? Is just some Italian kid? Like, wait, he. Let's see. Hold up. Definitely a one-hit wonder. No. What? How dare you? What? How dare you? Name another you? song without Googling it. What's another <laughs> song? On. Nope. You can't Google it. <laughs> They're trying to call me out. Uh, he definitely was not a one-hit wonder, though. Okay. Mm All right. It. All right. I'm definitely spelling his name wrong. So maybe D-I-O-N. <laughs> I thought How so. are you spelling it? No, that's how I was spelling it. And it, he wasn't kind of... There he is. Demucci. Dion Demucci. Yeah, let's see. Come on. He had the Bel- the Belmonts? Come on. Oh, I wonder why. Uh, a Teenager in Love. Oh, why yeah. must I be a teenager? Yeah, Lonely Teenager. The Wanderer. They call me The Wanderer. Ah, oh, The Wanderer. I is go this all around, under Dion? around, 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 around. Yeah, yeah that's all Dion. Huh. Um, okay. <clears throat> I take back what I said. dare you? I feel bad. Yeah, where's he from? I was killer. Mon- I've never seen that word before. Jeez. All right. Um. Yep. New York. That's what. Just as I thought. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, super Italian dude. New York. Dion. But yeah, I like that CW song because it just shows that other little. Because he's got a lot of influences. Um, that he kind of lets erupt in different songs in different yeah. ways, and that one, that one to me is like, oh, this is so, nineteen fifties, sixties. Like groups, yeah, and he he definitely has so many unique influences too, you know, yeah. and uh, that that's why, like, again with the calypso shit, like you never you're never gonna see an artist that has like that kind of influence. Which with calypso, like we were talking about it a little bit more uh, while we were listening to it, and um, they, I guess one of the one of the songs that like really helped bring it out was the Banana Boat song by Harry Belafonte. The nice. Dale, Dale. Great song. Yeah. And then I always think of like the Beetlejuice. Uh, That's theme. all I think about. Yeah. That's all <laughs> I can visualize is everybody being kind of forced to move yeah. around. Such a weird. Well, you know, and with CW, it always, it just shows more that he's, he's researching and he's digging deep. And that's what will, cr- will, will, create a great sound for you you know or like to kind of form your own sound again you're kind of doing a frankenstein sound of all your influences and all the stuff that you've ever kind of heard or seen in your life and you're morphing that into your own music or your own writing or your own art or whatever and um but but you can be really lazy about that and just go "Mm, what's on fm what's on you know the radio and you can do that, or you can dig deep and find Calypso and listen to fucking. He he names a bunch of people I've never heard. Sleepy John Estes. Yeah. I've heard of Memphis Mini, but like Bobby uh, Gishi Wiley. He he just yeah. dig like he's naming all these people, and I'm like, 
he's yeah he's he's digging deep and he's looking for that sound and then he's whether subconsciously or not able to sort of pull that into his own song making you know and and so that 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 also takes some work which i always respect is when people just they don't just go all right i'm gonna listen to american music from this time frame it's like no let's Let's go back. Let's look at what Africa's doing. Let's look at what, you know, yeah, he has wherever a lot of he's doing. Yeah. West African, French, like, kind of. And yeah, like, and like, he's looking for it. It's and not the imagery at his is like super African for some reason. I'm not 100% sure why. I think uh, one interviewer I said was like uh, talking about how like blues artists would talk about um, suffering and whatnot, and they would use all these kinds of. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, euphemisms? Yeah, euphemisms for like this suffering. Yeah. And it's not just being straight up like, oh, you know, I'm hungry as hell. I'm or, sad. <laughs> I want to drink something. Or, yeah. You know, they would like come up with some kind of euphemism. And, yeah. and he said, is a jungle like that euphemism for you? Uh, and like, you know, CW had his great kind of answer where he kind of dodges the question. <laughs> but um, he's, he's fun in interviews. He has a lot of recurring themes with the jungle. Um, so whatever that might be, I think it has to, I think he has, I mean, he shared like an Instagram story the other day that was like this old ass book that was like, it was like the darkest parts of Africa or something. And like, you can just tell he has like this obsession with like that crazy, like African jungle voodoo culture too. Like, especially with that, like the Haitian, like zombies and stuff. And we'll get, uh, into the zombie, um, might as well. Fuck. We're here. Like, zombies so cool so the zombies a song <clears throat> yeah and that's the first song i heard by him and so i like i I've, I've said in the past podcasts like the way that i find artists is like usually i i will either kind of dive through instagram posts right. and kind of like scroll through them and find artists i like and find their videos and then scroll through them and see if they mention other artists if they're yeah. playing with other artists Oh, that's big. And um, I saw he was playing with an artist. I like. I can't remember the artist that I found him through off the top of my head, but it was a few years back. And um, he and it was like, oh, an opening for us is C.W. Stone King. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, Great name. <laughs> you know, looked him up, saw the Gone Boogaloo album cover, was like really intrigued by him. And like the first song I listened to was The Zombie, which is this one. <laughs> and it just sounds like a is straight it? up Halloween soundtrack. Like definitely add it to your it Halloween like, playlist. <laughs> it sounds like a non-cheesy monster mash because the monster mash oh, is how, so how cheesy no 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 but hear me out <laughs> where it's just like a song about some spooky shit yeah like and it's and it's a little bit um playful yeah right and it has more of that narration but like carnival spooky. barker thing yeah that king that uh that jungle man king hokum shit where he's a yeah. character there's silly back of vocals the monster mash dude this last Halloween party I went it. to? No. How dare you? How dare you disparage the Monster I'm Mash? I'm not comparing like, it to the Monster <laughs> Mash. I'm just did. saying. No. Well, I guess you're I'm like, comparing no, you're it. Like, it's, not, it's like a not corny Monster Mash. And like, so oh, <laughs> you're offended because I called the Monster Mash corny. Yes. I thought you were offended because I was comparing it to the It song. is corny, but it's, it's fucking awesome. It's, a gr- it's cool. Now, the last Halloween party I was at, we went, on the, we went on the Land Shark. Have I told you about the Land Shark? Oh yeah, that it's goes like a into Santa Barbara thing. Where San, no, San Francisco has it too, though. Oh, where they? it's like a it's oh. like a tour thing that goes into the water and then it yeah yeah it's I like used to work on the pier and it, oh, yeah, that's that, annoying like, as shit. No, it's fucking awesome. So we were like <laughs> Halloween. We uh, went on the land shark 
And I actually dressed up like C.W. Stone King, funny enough. And, um, you know, we were drinking on it. We are going a little, a little hard in the paint. And um, we ended up going all through the Land Shark, all throughout Santa Barbara, driving through tra- town, listening to music, then driving throughout the harbor. Um, you know, it, it's just an awesome time. And uh, we ended up going to this Halloween party afterwards. Um, and my buddy uh, Weaver's uh, friend. And they had like one iPod or not. Sorry. I always call an iPhone an iPod now when it's playing music. That's just my well, that's, old ass talking. Isn't that what the f- original idea <laughs> of it was? It's like a phone that has music iPod. on it. Anyway, it was a phone with music. And the entire party, I was that guy. I was just constantly going back and playing the Monster Mash. Just seeing how many times. <laughs> <laughs> seeing how many times I Somebody could put the Monster Mash on Somebody at the party. Somebody has to do it. And, and I wouldn't even like you know, stop it abruptly. I would like add it to cue, you know, like just play next. And then uh, it would just so come then you on walk naturally. Away, yeah. You walk in naturally. Like, naturally. Oh shit. And, uh, yeah, I probably played monster mash like song. six or seven times that night. And, uh, people were, and it was kind of a funny, like at first people were kind of annoyed, like the first three times. And then by the fifth or sixth times, people were like, Oh, he got us again. <laughs> like, Anyway, fucking monster mash. I don't, I do not think this song is like the monster mash, but I think it would, I don't uh, think it's like it. I, I think, it would sound like a great compliment to a Monster Mash influenced playlist. Like it's it's a similar Halloweenish yes. type vibe. For it's sure. spooky. It's it's it's. I think it's again. It's a little playful. Um, not taking itself too seriously. Um, there's also I think is this the only official music video that he has. And it's animated? No, he actually has more music videos he has more. that are okay, funny. Sorry. But this one is very cool. Um, and it's animated. And it's like animated like charcoal drawings. It's kind of sad. It's a little sad. Like it's about this kid who's like running away from zombies and he gets bitten for sure. He gets bitten. And uh, we all know what happens when a zombie bites. Wow. Turn into one M. Yeah, that's classically <laughs> what happens <laughs> i don't know why that is like i we got onto the subject by talking about like the haitian zombies and the i don't know if you've ever like looked up like quote real zombies um from haiti and stuff like that but apparently like they would do this shit this like kind of like jeffrey dahmer type shit where they would like somehow fuck up somebody's brain um Oh, like a lobotomy? I, don't, I think it was through like chemicals and like maybe different types of things that they'd consume, but it would it would basically make them just like slaves. So like, uh, like they wouldn't have free thought anymore. They would just be creepy. like creepy, like vegetables. But and they, they did would, this on purpose. They did this to people. Yeah, on it's super creepy. Ooh. I mean, I'm not like an expert on Haitian zombies, but if you Google it, it's like worth you know. Going at work and like going down this this uh, rabbit I'm, hole of Haitian zombies because it's super I'm really creepy. bored and I'm the only one in yeah, the I know office. Yeah, it's and super I'm like, creepy, but uh, I, I guarantee you this is like kind of how he got this idea because it's like the same thing. It's like that African like um, jungle vibe a little bit. Um, yeah, but this one's dark. I love the baseline in it, and then it has like this great effect on his voice, and at the same time it uh. I'm not sure how he made his voice sound like that, but it has like this uh, 19 like 50s horror movie like kind of vibe to it, like Vincent like Price. The, like feel. the Monster Mash. <laughs> <laughs> that one has like fucking bubbly vials in the background. It's like, <gasps> <laughs> 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 what 
What year did that song come out? The Monster Mash? It had to come out in the mid-50s. It, well, you said 1950s horror song, and I'm like... No, horror movie. Horror movie. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you disparage the Monster Mash on my time? It's a 1962 novelty song by Bobby Pickett. <laughs> How dare you fucking talk about the Monster Mash? Anyway, I am a Monster Mash proponent, and I'm a... <laughs> CW. I am too! I was just saying, <laughs> the recording... So CW's recording is a little... It's it's funny because it's from now, but it sounds more yeah authentic. It's a one microphone. It's a one microphone yeah. approach that they were doing way back in the nineteen forties, thirties. It 20s. sounds like it was recorded in nineteen thirty one. Yeah, as opposed yeah, to totally. the monster. <laughs> That's not, yeah. That's anyway, <laughs> the zombie. You know we can't all agree. On the, <laughs> on the um. Uh, this one, it's an American yeah, this one's treasure. off Gone Boogaloo too. It's the second track on the album, um, and it's uh, called "The Zombie." Are you ready? Yeah. I got a brand new dance here for you. This one is called "The Zombie." <laughs> but when you hear that zombie rocking slow. Another stone cold hit coming up out the radio. It goes so slow, it don't never quit. Man, you can't fight it, don't even try. Left and right days going in drag step time. This old repetition make them lose their mind. So, children, correct your feet right away on long. That all infectious beat. Everyone you know out in the street, we're gonna see if you can't sing along. When you hear that zombie rocking slow till the break of dawn in the Congo, ain't gonna let you rest till the morning light. Gonna raise some sand in the dead of night. My mama hear them mumbling low. They go shuffling, shuffling. Slow-footed jump, 
You're a podcasting pair. We're a tradition. We're a can't keep him away. He's an American treasure. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. I think he would agree. Yeah, many would agree. He's sitting on Stuart's lap for the last maybe twenty minutes, just quietly being a part of things. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we kind of reached this realization, like we were playing these artists' music and. They're technically downloadable podcasts. So, like, I was thinking, I was like, is this legal? <laughs> like, I fucking Googled it. Are we going to go to jail? Turns out it's not legal. Yeah. So, I looked it up and, like, went through it in quite, you know, quite a good amount of detail. Right. And the only way that you can get um, permission to play um, an artist's music in a podcast that you can download, which is technically redistribution, so it's not, like, the same thing as, like, playing a cover song in a bar mm. where it's like covered by the the bar's it's more like, like music license a cover song on your album yeah or or, or being napster to for like Fucking napster. anyway we uh yeah. so i looked it up and it's like the only way that you can do it is if you contact the artist and get their permission which i was like you hit me up and i was at work and you were like we have to start emailing the bands and asking if we can play their songs and i was like well that's fucking batshit and it's not gonna work (laughs) and sure enough we start emailing bands and they start writing back or their managers start writing back and going yeah sure go for it immediately like every single artist (laughs) that we've contacted has come back to us and been like oh super stoked yeah do it and you wrote a great email it's like it's like hey we do this super tiny podcast we are just trying to bring attention to bands that are maybe, you know, not that they're up and coming necessarily, but maybe they're, you know, underground just or under the small. national radar. We like they're wanna, not, they're under the radar in the, yeah. Yeah. And then na- people the, should hear them. The people should know more of their story besides just hearing a song in mm-hmm. the, you know, um, well, people should also have an outlet to like hear music beyond like top 40 shit yeah. and uh mtv and yeah like they should be able to find we'll a podcast the, we'll dig and then you know can listen yeah <laughs> not everyone yeah not everyone i mean a lot of the artists that i've heard that i really like are from radio shows on fm radio or am radio even yeah that's like oh and here's the alabama like the alabama shakes playing hold on yeah they're like the amazing. first time i heard that was like some random ass radio show driving Produced south to santa barbara and santa maria and i'm like oh this is fucking so good yeah so good so yeah i think that's why i really wanted to do this and also i i just knew it would lead to like talking about music and being able to have we do anyway (laughs) (laughs) 
Like Why I, not record it? This is literally what we would do anyway. Like <laughs> we would sit just sit and, yeah. across the table. We'd drink some wine. We'd yeah. play some music. We'd show each other some music. We, we yeah. just wouldn't focus on one person for two hours. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we would. I don't know. <laughs> we but would. we, yeah, it's it's just, it's all positive, basically. And you put in that email or all the emails that we send yeah. out. It's like, hey, we just want people to hear this guy or this girl. We just want to share the love. Like we just want to share the love. We're not like, making. We're not making any money. money. <laughs> like, maybe, like maybe one day we'd make money, but at that point, I feel like these artists would be rooting for us to do it because it's yeah. like they know it's, that we're doing it. Yeah, you'd want to be pure, from like pure intentions. We're not like we oh, just like you. How guys. are we gonna monetize CW Stone King for our yeah. own interests? It's no, like, we just and it's yeah, and we're we're just we just want to get the music out there. And I was I was so pleasantly surprised at all the positive like. Yeah, go for it. Use our that we got from artists that we won't yet mention because we'll yeah. cover them in the next couple of weeks. But it's so, it was such a it was such a red light when you said that, and I was like, shit. Oh, I thought we were fucked. And then like, it was such a green light when we started hitting up those bands or their managers or whatever, and everyone was like, hey, yeah, play the songs, like you know, yeah. don't be an asshole. No one said that, but it's yeah. like it's understood. It's like don't be an asshole. Don't overuse them. Don't use them in a weird way. And it's like no, no, no. It's it's just a love fest. We're talking about how yeah. great they are. I mean, we've had a we're few podcasts them. where we kind of like maybe we talk a little bit junk about the way that they react to like critique. Like I know when we were talking about the Red Walls, like we kind of dogged them a little bit. For I like, just quoted them in their interview. <laughs> no, like, but, <laughs> and, but then and I, they were, I mean, I was the one who but was they were like, like twenty years old. I'm like, so how like, are uh, you mad that you sound like the Beatles? You know, like that, yeah, like I would kind of like that's the worst that we do. Like we're not playing these artists because we hate them. Like no, we're playing we, them because we, we love them because we love yeah. them and we listen to them. It's it's music that I listen yeah. to when I wake up in the morning and when I'm at work yeah. and when I'm walking around and like, it's yeah, it's something that you want to share. It's a very yeah, unique I, thing to I share music. I went through music. like a f- six month period where I was listening to almost only CW Stone King. That's I awesome. swear. Yeah. 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 He, re- he reminded me of uh, Tom Waits a lot and how unique he was, how you went through a pretty deep, yeah. maybe two year Tom Waits. Yeah. Binge how too. gifted, how yeah. gifted, um, a lyricist Tom Waits is like it, like, CW reminded me of that. The yeah. uniqueness about him yeah. reminded me of that. Like also the Creating way that Tom Waits character. is very theatrical. Like, theatrical. Speaking of fucking Tom, also Waits, the way he talks. The Ballad of <laughs> Buster Scruggs on uh, Netflix. Let's watch it tonight. Yeah, I'm down. I watched it like last night. The night is young. I'm down. You watch it again? <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's like six vignettes about the Wild West. Um. The first one is about like this dead eye sharpshooter slash singer who's Tom Waits. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, uh, it's one <laughs> it of the dudes from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, oh, I love one of the backup singers. I love those guys. And um, it's about him. God, we should watch that. And there's finally, you know, <laughs> uh, just being the baddest guy on, in the West. Um, yeah. And how that's kind of a life cycle in and of itself. Like you're never always going to be the baddest man. Yeah. And then the second one. Oh, geez, what's the second one about? Um, the second one I think was about like this armless, legless orator who like goes around and he's like giving these beautiful speeches, like he's doing like the Lincoln speech from uh, the Gettysburg Address, and he's like doing Shakespeare, and like he's traveling from town to town, and as he travels from town to town, like the crowds get smaller and smaller and smaller, and like the impresario who's like hosting him. And dragging his ass around and feeding him and like, you know, because he has yeah. arms and the legs. Right, like, right, right, yeah. And how like 
you know, you're only as good as your last show, basically. And like, oh, wow. There, and then there's and a Tom worse. Waits one where he's like a prospector trying to find gold. Oh, wow. And it's fucking awesome. It's just a great, like, and Tom it's the Waits. the Coen brothers, right? Yes, the Coen Dude, brothers. And Tom Waits just kills it in this one man show, like, basically. Yeah. And uh, I just love Tom Waits so much. Wasn't it, he in. He was in. Was he in Coffee and Cigarettes? He's in another film. He was in Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah. He was, he was also in. Uh, Gosh darn it, um, that one Denzel. I think it's Denzel Washington. Um, where he's blind. What fuck? Hold up. I think it's Denzel Washington. What's that movie called? Oh, Book of Eli. Yeah, Tom Waits is in Book of Eli. Really, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. that. He's like the guy who owns like this weird like shop. Um, he's so, a good actor. And then he's there was one threat. about um, this like. Uh, super pragmatic chick who like is trying to go to Oregon, like the Oregon Trail. Right. And uh, her brother dies along the way, so she's left alone, and she like kind of falls in love with this guy in it, and it's like, it, it's a really interesting story. And then, um, and then there's I can't remember one of them. I'm totally leaving one out. Oh, there's one with uh, gosh darn it, what's uh, Seth Rogen's buddy's name? James uh, Franco. James Franco, <laughs> and he's like this bank robber, and uh about him and then there's a final one that's like about a bunch of people in this uh carriage and they think they're going to like a hotel or something you don't really know where they're going but no spoilers oh no i'm not (laughs) um well no yeah no spoilers um but it's more than just meets the eye more than meets the eye and wow. like it's about these bounty hunters that are fucking hilarious and they're in the carriage and it's like these five characters that are like all talking in this carriage interesting and uh it's definitely about something a little bit more than just simply going from a to b um anyway the ballad of buster scruggs i just watched on netflix and i like i i do watch netflix uh, i like that everyone does but like I have yeah. I realized like I've been watching like less and less movies as time goes on, yeah. because I the, just um just TV is like quote TV like that episodic like kind of uh venue where you're watching like Game of Thrones or you're watching right. Breaking Bad April. like that kind of <laughs> yeah. format yeah. is just it's never been better so I feel like it's better than uh, it's it's as good as film now. I for the last so like 10 years. So this is where I'm going. I think it's better because you can get... Because m- it's longer. Because it's longer. And you can get more into the characters and you can right. get more into the plot and you can get more into nuance so it feels more real. Because in I a movie, you have, you have to you have like two hours, forge yeah. this thing that totally makes sense at the end of two hours, yeah. which is fucking tough to do. Or you have... Like we've been talking for that long. Like could you imagine like crafting something that like... No. So... I mean, yeah, movies are great. They'll always be great. But I've just found myself watching less and less because there are so many great shows and they're just so long. You're just always watching a new show. You're like, oh, now I'm watching Breaking Bad. Now I'm watching yeah. The Shield. Now I'm watching, you know, The Sopranos. Like, there's so many good ones. So yeah. I've finally, uh, because Tom Waits was in it, I was like, I have to watch it. Like, I yeah. just have to. And it was incredible. It was That's awesome. awesome. I loved it. Nice. I just looked up recently because Game of Thrones comes back in April and Tom was like, maybe I'll watch it and we can catch up together. Tom, never has seen he it. never watched it? He's never watched it. So he's it. finally buckling, huh? He, he might. He's interested. 
And because uh, mm-hmm. he knows it's quality and he knows it's good. It's like with Breaking Bad. He was like, no, I don't want to watch it because I'd already seen it. And he's then, always like that at first. But yeah, then he kind of eases up a little bit. And then he eases bit. into it. And then he makes the right decision. <laughs> you just got to let him make it on yeah. his own. Because um, he brought it up. But uh, he was like, how long would it take me to watch it? And I Googled it. And to catch up to Game of Thrones right now, um, it's two days and 14 and a half. Or two days and 16 and a half hours. So 48 plus 60. It's. Just under 70 hours. <laughs> Just under 70? <laughs> or, yeah, it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. It's but Fucking good. Like, it could it'd take a few months. I'm into it. I'll rewatch it. It's been a while. We're not blowing anyone's mind here telling people Have that Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> I hate fantasy shit, and I loved it. Yeah, I don't I, even really consider it fantasy like that's the world that it lives in. Good. But yeah. It's just good, yeah. It's great. It's just, you know, murder and deceit and yeah. good storytelling. Yeah. And Alec, I think Alec just started playing it. I was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. And he just started playing it at our Berkeley apartment. And he was like, just, just come on. Like, he had to kind of force me into it. And I was like, okay, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's the arena it lives in doesn't matter. It's just Dude, the, great. Yeah, the first, just, just you well know, done. the first episode, like, Bran gets pushed out of the fucking window or whatever. And it's yeah. like, and don't say no spoilers, because goddamn it, if you haven't if watched you the haven't first seen, episode of the first season of Game of Thrones, like, if you haven't seen, just do yeah. it. It's like five minutes into it. Anyway, they push his ass out. And uh, and I was like, oh shit! This this show they is just for pushed real. a kid like, out of a window. Yeah, they're not I love messing it. around yeah. in this show. Yeah, and no, I, it's, I, I it's good. I love a little because I love watching kids get pushed out of windows. I love so. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like the not being afraid to be maybe too dark or too. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, we're gonna we're on. gonna wrap this up. Um, yeah, let's play last one last song. Um, um I did want to play a lot of his King Hokum stuff, but um, I think. For me, like the the music that stands out the most and speaks the most for CW is um, his Jungle Blues and Gone Boogaloo because yeah. that's when he really starts to peak find and his voice, find yeah. himself. So you should definitely check out King Hokum and if you like just traditional blues, like he does a lot of traditional blues in those, and yeah, you'll you'll really like it. Um, but really quick before we get to that song, I want to do some uh, Radio Keys news. Um. Basically, we're just booking shows, and Yay! we have our we have our studio that we just uh, set up. We have, you know, rehearsals lined up. We we since I just moved, I have like a rug I just brought in there, a bunch of wall art. We're, that we're uh, nesting up. in our new studio lockout. Yeah, yeah. we're nesting. Yeah. We're decorating. Our our first practice with the four of us in that studio is tomorrow. Yeah, and that's when we we're gonna drink the champagne. Oh shit! Yeah, I got Frank family bottles. champagne. So, well, sorry, everyone in Napa is cringing. Sparkling wine. Yeah. It's not, it's not champagne and love it. First you disparage Whatever. the monster mash. Then, <laughs> and then I called California wine champagne like a goddamn monster. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So we yeah. We just well, also have some exciting new booking news like. We just booked uh, Lagunitas, Lagunitas Brewery in Petaluma on February 24th. Um, Our buddy Ann can come to that. Yeah. She lives there. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out, Ann. Um, and the big ones coming up is we have a so, uh, acoustic duo show, so we're throwing it back to our old days. In Me Berkeley and Emily. in like a week, right? In, yeah, on the 7th. On December 7th at uh, Donkey Soon. Goat at from 6 to 9. It's going to be an awesome event. It's free. There's food. There's wine. There's art. It's and there's like a f- us. It's a First Fridays thing, so there's an art uh, aspect to it. There's going to be yeah. some local artists showcasing. And then, uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of wine 
and uh and Emily we'll be and playing I, for we like always dive ever. we dig deep into our playbook when we uh yeah play duo we're gonna shows. Prop, so we're gonna 100 percent gonna play the shada song oh, and a bunch yeah, of other yeah. songs we never play live like you we guys. wrote these songs like 10 <laughs> years ago and we're oh gonna, yeah yeah we're gonna play them some weird uh, stuff and then the we all we have a bunch of shows in december actually we have um Vinny's. Smi- oh, so we so Vinny's Vinny- December twenty first. That's, that's the next holiday one? ham jam. Okay, so the holiday ham jam is going to be a huge show. Yeah, um, that's in Concord on the twenty first, and then the twenty third on a Sunday night is Bolinas. Yeah, but wait, the ham jam though that that one's going to be huge. We have Rossmore opening. Then I think Mama Foxy. Oh, Mama Foxy, Mama Foxy opening, opening, and then Rossmore, us, us, and then Overland. Uh, Overland what our, more our boys. could you ask for? Um, and it's going to be the <laughs> Mountain Vibe family is going to be there. I love every single one of those bands. Yeah, as people as and people. as bands. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's going to be it's just going to be an incredible experience. If you have never been to Mountain Vibe or heard of Mountain Vibe before, I think you should kind of wet your beak, so to speak. Just meet Damn, all the people. Me We're so just come out to this. English is our only language, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll experience like <laughs> what the vibe is all about, um, the mountain yeah. vibe. And I <clears throat> kind of grew grew up around <laughs> the mountain vibe experience. Uh, not that it wasn't mountain vibe yet. It was like you know the Concord community, basically. Yeah. Which to me has. Um, been a little hot and cold um there's been times where people are super welcoming and then there's been times where you can tell people are a little more cold for whatever reason that's a and just it a might be huge, me too because no, i have a huge powerful people, resting think. bitch face uh <laughs> i think and, it's uh, just a huge group of people it's yeah. a whole festival so what i've noticed and i was probably wrong is like this mountain vibe community is so welcoming and like Alante and I just wandered around from camp to camp last year and just met like I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time we went around it was just the two of us though. Yeah. I think we went with you too, but we just met everybody and, yeah. and just everyone's so welcoming and, and kind and everyone's in a great mood. It's everybody's really feeling the a vibe. Special, incredible event. Yeah. And uh the community around it and the bands that are involved in it all have an affinity for each other. And it's just something special yeah. that you can that you can join in for free. It's a recommended donation, which I'm all about these days. Like, no, that's not a recommended donation. Yes, it is. It's recommended donation of ten dollars. So you're not going to be turned oh, away. Oh, you at mean the, door. the show, not the festival? Yeah, no, no. Not I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, the no, festival. Sorry, yeah, not the, free. the ham jam, the ham jam. <laughs> I'm sure, like, dude. I'm sure quick. you could talk your way into the show. Sorry, though. the show on December 21st yeah. is the festival, recommended donation. The festival is different, but the show at the ham jam. Uh, if you want to buy the band a drink, give ten dollars at yeah. the door, basically, and that's one drink for all four the people. music. All the money at the door <laughs> will be going towards bands, but yeah, which is if you can't afford to get in, you're not going to be turned away because. I think that's such a old school way of doing shit where it's like you have some fucking character, some vulture like sitting out in front of the venue and they're like, pay up or you can't get in like some gatekeeper. It's like the whole point about local music is to have people hear you. Yeah. And so then they'll want to give you money. Also, a lot of people with a place like Vinny's, it's like, no, I just go to Vinny's every Friday. Why yeah. do I suddenly have to pay? I don't care about these bands. I yeah. just want to like chill at yeah. my bar that I like to hang out at, like my watering hole. And like, I'm just, and we I do always, that with Dargans too in Santa Barbara. I'm like, like I don't want to charge here. people to go to yeah. Dargans. Like, like, I want wait, people wait. to be there and experience I've been, it. I've been in that situation where it's like, especially when we were living in Berkeley, it's like, oh, we should go to insert the blank. We yeah. should go to the plow tonight and get some yeah. beers. And then you show up and they're like, 
$20. And you're like, what? And they're like, so-and-so is playing. And it's like, I just want to get a beer at and the bar next to my house. it almost makes you not like so-and-so. You're like, man, fuck so-and-so. They're preventing yeah. me from going to my bar. Like, yeah, it does. So I, so a set of eyeballs and an open heart like is exactly. so much more important to me than $10 or $8 or whatever. And fans should absolutely get paid, but at the same yeah. time... Well, they should get paid by the bar that is benefiting... From the increase because in sales because people are there. Drinks. Yeah. yeah. That's the way it should be. And, and I don't want to get into it too much. We but won't yeah. The ham jam is gonna be awesome on the twenty first of December. Twenty third is Bellinas. Yeah, twenty third is Bellinas at Smiley's. At Smiley's and Saloon. I hear that place is awesome. It's a total local hub. Yeah. It's like, we'll be playing for three hours too. It's so like St. Helena. There's one bar. Two to Everyone three hours. goes there. Yeah. <laughs> um and then the twenty eighth, we're playing Napa Kamomi. for the first time yeah. at Kamomi. Um, um January twelfth we're playing um January twelfth we're playing the Hot Monk in Sonoma. Yeah. Um and that's just a duo again. We're throwing it back, me and Emily. And then we just booked Lagunitas on the twenty fourth. And so. Fireside Lounge on January twenty oh, sixth. Yeah, yeah, we're booking like crazy. We're booking yeah. like crazy. We're booking a lot. We'll we'll be we'll be put, well, we do have a lot of shows. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're booking like crazy. We yeah. just booked uh also Santa Barbara again. So we're coming back to Santa Barbara. Dargans, we're coming back. Dargans is my fucking In March. All right, yeah. Um So what song are we <clears> ending with? All right. So the la- last thing I'm gonna say is uh if you're listening to the podcast and you like it, just uh please Subscribe, you know, tell a friend, leave a five star review. That helps us out immensely. Shoot and us a text. Yeah, and shoot, tell us no, you for like real, it. shoot us, <laughs> shoot us like an email. Shoot us like follow follow one of our pages or hit up one of our pages. Like if you have like some major beef with what we're saying, or if you like have an artist that you don't think people know about and you want us hey, to hear, like yeah. sh- like communicate with us. We love we love talking to people. We've had heard a lot of positive. Or feedback. we're pronouncing something super wrong. Oh, dude, I've been doing that <laughs> my whole life. Like. Anyway, um, I think the last one we're going to do is like this really cool, um, it's, it's like a whole journey by CW Stone King. And it, it makes me feel like almost like a, like a symphonic rendition of a song, like the way that, um, uh, composers would write where it would like move from section to section and it. Uh, this is called the jungle blues and it has the primitive orchestra nice. and, um, it really has this. Can I? Sorry. No, before, go ahead. There's one quote that I pulled that I forgot to say. Um, well, it's kind of two quotes mashed together, but that CW says that I that I forgot to say. And uh, it's about, they're talking about his style and they're trying to kind of put him in these boxes of style. And he says, um, he says something that resonates so cool. All the musical dialects have common elements that I can enjoy, but it boils down to the power of the artist the strength of the song. So he's kind of, pu- he's saying, you know, you have all these genres, but when it comes down to it, it's about the artist and the song when it comes to music. And, in, and then he also says, music is uplift. I don't want to pin it down and hold it down to politics. It's more of a clean, holy thing than that to me. So it kind of, it's just kind of the way he thinks about music. Yeah. And I just love that. So that's, anyway, that's, I just wanted to get his voice in there a little bit more. Um, cause I just love I, that Yeah, quote. I love CW. Fucking incredible musician, artist, blues yeah. man. Probably the most complex, intriguing blues artist in the game that I can think about today. Um, and to call him a blues artist is really kind of even pigeonholing him because he's he's so much he's more. so much more than that. Yeah. Um, 
He is still relatively unknown. You know, he's un- flying under the radar. Yeah, you walked on stage yeah, and said hi to him. I walked on stage and said hi to him. If that says it all. An, he's an incredible, incredible personality. And uh, as as much as all that, he's like a, n- he seems like a nicer, even kinder human being than that. Yeah. So, like, I uh, super support him. I want the best for him. And whenever he's in town, I'm always going to go see him. So... Yeah. Uh, this last hope one. Dug him. Yeah, I hope so. Um, this one is called uh, "The Jungle Blues" by C.W. Stone King. Jungle Blues 